Hey, this is Sam for Dobbs. If you need tires, hop on our website, go to Dobbs.com. We'll save you time searching brands, sizes, and prices, and save you money because we sell tires at the lowest price in town, guaranteed. For deals you can use, click on go to Dobbs.com now. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is the Character and Smallman Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's Character and Smallman. everyone and welcome to Carriker and Smallman and Danny Mac on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. It is 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Getting ready for the weekend. Good morning, Michelle. How you doing? Good morning, Randy. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, guys. Getting ready for some uh, fun sports talk today. Jay Delsing will join us at the bottom of the hour. Our weekly visit with Greg Amzinger, uh, delayed by one day, will be at 745 today. Joe Vitale at 815. And we're going to talk to our old friend Chris Pronger coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. I was thinking about this last night as I was prepping for the show. Can we handle Greg Amzinger and Joe Vitale in the mm. same day? That's a lot of energy for one show. It is a Friday, though. Yeah, That's I think true. we can do that. That's it's a true. Friday. But that means both of them are going to be even more loose and even more excited because it is a Friday. It's a good point. I come in here on Fridays, as I've told you guys many times, I didn't realize why so many people get so excited about a weekend because I don't really don't have weekends off. I got a weekend off, so I'm excited. I'm excited, guys. Love it. Look at you with a little fist pump. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was like a golf fist pump. It really was. Like, sink's a great putt fist pump. You know what? I I saw somewhere that we might have decent weather this weekend. It was like a half Tiger Woods. Yeah, that's right. I'm surprised you're not wearing red. No kidding. Yeah. Maybe this weekend. Let me check the forecast here quickly. Couldn't have done this back in the day at KMOX. You know, I would have had to ask Bob Hamilton, hey, Bob, what's the forecast for the weekend? Well, Randy, it's going to be beautiful out there. It's going to be... 65 degrees. That would have been <laughs> at Hamilton Jewelers. Yeah. You would have heard Hamilton Jewelers somewhere. Definitely. Yeah. Tomorrow, 77 degrees and a 50%, 56% chance of rain in the day. And then 60 and crystal clear and sunny on Sunday. And then Monday, when the courses are closed, mm. 68 and sunny. Oh, man. Mm. But it sounds right. like Sunday's the day to get some golfing. I think that might happen. You going to do it? Yeah. You going to get out there? I will. All right. You just go by yourself, or what do you do? Sometimes I'll go by myself. Sometimes I'll just meet a fellow member out there. You're there with all your friends? Yeah. So I got in trouble one time when we were doing a game, and we had a shot of the... It was like the 13th inning, and we had like a two-hour rain delay, (laughs) and we had a shot of a guy in the uh, bleachers, and it was just one guy left. Mm -hmm. It was like one in the morning. I said, there he is with all his friends. (laughs) And... (laughs) He didn't like it. I got a nasty note from him. So if you're listening, sir, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean anything by it. I was just trying to make a joke. He sent you a note. Oh, yeah. He was wow. nasty, too. Our, uh, you got to read some blues. of those letters. They're pretty good. I don't want to, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> they would probably bum me out. Uh, who, the, the, my favorite is Joe, and it's obviously a different era. Joe Buck, who you, as you listen, may incessantly despise. And I remember being up in the booth one time with Joe, and he was reading a, a nasty letter. And I looked at the letter at the bottom, and it didn't have a name on it. I said, 
Because Deerhoff always said, I look for a name first. <laughs> and then I'll read it if there's a name on it. But I'm going to just throw it away if there's no name. He said, no, the ones without names are the best ones. That's what, <laughs> that's what Joe said. He loved it. Well, I if I get a nasty one and they have their name on it, mm-hmm. I will say on the air, I received a wonderful letter from Joe Smith, who is a huge fan of what we do. And Joe in Cottleville, thank you so much. I received your letter. It means a lot to me. And thank you so much. And if you know Joe Smith, make sure you let him know that we read this on the air and and really appreciate his input. And the best part about that, too, is that even though Joe Smith took the time to write you probably a hateful letter, oh, yeah. he's guaranteed to still be watching you. Oh, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Or what you do is just say... You kill him with kindness. Uh-huh. And I know we got to get this stuff here. Randy's mm-hmm. losing it. But, you know, <laughs> you get to Joe Smith and you send him back some uh, tickets. You oh. say, thanks for your great support. Oh, really appreciate it. Boom. There you go. There's that's some a, tickets. That's a flex. That's a fan for life right there. Yeah. Maybe you turn them. Yeah. Trying to turn people. Last night here on 101 ESPN, your St. Louis Blues fell to the Minnesota Wild. First game against the Wild this year. And the final score was 2 nothing. And I got to tell you, kids, uh, throughout the second and third period especially i was literally saying to ryan o'reilly through my tv come on hang on to the puck you know for the most part i thought you know offensively you know at least hold on to the puck you know the other team can't score and and you know we you know we fought to get it back we tracked hard um our d did a great job keeping pucks alive just uh you know a few little mistakes they you know in the back of the net um and and it happens it's uh you know we just got to stick with it and you know keep working to to improve marcus johansson with a goal and then kirill kaprizov with a beautiful goal for the wild who win it 2-0 and the blues will be back in action tonight they'll take on the ducks over at enterprise center and that game is at seven o'clock six o'clock pregame here on 101 espn number one uh how about the shots on goal 37 11 in favor of the blues yeah uh i i just when i'm watching this team i i see defensively without Pareko they they are a smaller defensive unit and I, I think that's rearing its ugly head the other thing too is that you can get the shots on goal and if you don't have traffic in front which I didn't see a lot of traffic in front last night you're just not going to get some of those dirty goals or those goals that you can clean up and that's a problem with this team and also getting it out of the zone now is that a, a byproduct of that they're not as physical you know you look at when they won the cup and I know we say this a lot, but you had Petro, you had Bo Meester, you had size back there. You had some big guys. And right now, they're not. They're not a big, no. you know, they physically, they're just not a, a big team on the back end. And I wonder if that's costing them here down the stretch. And they got to get things going. They're going to run out of time. They used to have size and experience. Now they have neither. Yeah, and that's a problem. <laughs> Great it point. really is. That's what pops out to me, too. I think the Blues thought with Alex Petrangelo leaving with Jay Bo Meester no, no longer being with the team. They had Colton Pareko. They at least had him. They really to- miss him to rely on and we are seeing right now not only do they miss him but they really do miss those other guys yep the coach craig Bruby on last night's effort thought it was a solid hockey game by our team we only give up 11 shots you know had 30 some shots you know that that happens at sometimes uh, the goalie played well down there um you play like that you're going to win a lot of hockey games in my opinion i thought our team uh, was really committed tonight work ethic was excellent Good effort. Good effort. Good job. Good effort. Like the LeBron kid. (laughs) Yep. It was good effort. It was a good effort. That's what I'm saying. I thought they played. Actually, it was a hard they game. Played really well. I, I did. They did. I thought they did. It's just one of those games in hockey where the other goalier, goaler, goaler was uh, pretty darn good. But again, size, secondary passes, traffic in front. Got to see it. 
Maybe it was just a St. Louis thing last night because Houston blanked to the Cardinals 3-0. They almost were no hit in that game until Nolan Arenado picked up a base hit late. Um, I don't want that to be a... Uh, a sign of things to come. I know that. We need to see a little <laughs> offense. Yeah, that's what that this team is built to improve their offense, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. So the uh, Cardinals last night did also make some uh, moves with their roster. Johan Oviedo has been optioned to minor league camp. No surprise there. Jesus Cruz, Evan Krasinski, Matthew Liberator, Tommy Parsons, Zach Thompson, Nolan Gorman, Matt Caesar reassigned to minor league camp. So the number of players remaining is 36. And by the time you guys get on the air on Monday, we should have a pretty good idea of what this roster looks like for opening day, six days away. So, Dan, I'm, I'm looking down the list here. Guys, and you didn't mention Matt Caesar. It's Caesar. <laughs> Caesar. You know, when I would do games with Matt Caesar in the lineup, I would always put Caesar, like write it like Caesar, Julius, hail C- Julius Caesar. Because yeah. if I would not, I would say, there's a fly by and he made the play. Can't do that. No. Ponce last night, four and a third, five hits, three runs all earned. He walked six mm. and struck out three. Mm. And one of the things about Ponce, he needs to be much more efficient. And last night, obviously, he was not. No, and if he's going to be in the rotation, and I guess we'll get clarity this weekend, KK is supposed to throw either a bullpen or come into a game, throw a couple innings, um, whatever the case is with him. Pons could be making a starter, too. He could be your sixth starter. I'm putting Gant as my fifth starter. I think he's earned it. And if Daniel does get a chance to start, it's always been... He's 29 now, mm-hmm. and this has been the, the the key for him is literally throwing strikes because you look up, and he's three innings into a game, and he's at 80 pitches, and that's not going to cut it. You, you've got to be efficient throwing strikes. So I think if they do use a sixth man and get those spot starts, he would be the candidate. But if not, he goes to the bullpen. And I think that's the direction that probably they're going. Guys, yesterday we talked about the New York Post uh, story about how Major League Baseball had sent a memo to teams about enforcing the use of sticky on fingers. And I asked Mike Schilt last night about that report and about whether or not he thought that the substances that pitchers are using had an effect on the integrity of the competition. Here's what Mike Schilt had to say. Yeah, it's a problem. It's no doubt a problem. It's um, creates a clear uh, advantage for the guys that are using it. Um, you know, this isn't a, a sunscreen and rosin deal. This is a, you know, intentional um, medically or, um, you know, uh, proven metrically to to change the, the, the trajectory of a pitch, create more spin, um, and it's illegal. So, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, I'm glad Major League Baseball is looking into it more seriously and, and um, doing what they can to clean it up. It's a very hard thing to clean up um, because, candidly, you know, some of the substances are clear, um, and they're, it's, just, it's just a hard thing to clear up. But I'm, I'm confident that uh, Major League Baseball is doing their part to make strides. And uh, I can tell you um, with as much confidence as I possibly can um, that we, um, we are in a pretty good place with our pitchers and discouraging anything that is, um, is fabricated in such a way to, to create that kind of advantage. Tempting as it may be, um, but it does real. And I want to touch on a couple of things and let you guys react to that. Number one, I followed up by saying, to me, this is as bad as the Astros sign stealing scandal and Mike said I agree 
the other part of this is that there was a, an equipment guy in L.A. with the Angels that pitchers from around baseball would go to and order the, a sticky, st- sticky substance, Garrett Cole being one of them. Adam Wainwright also named on the list of people who, who bought that substance. But I, I don't think he ever used it outside of the cold weather. But uh, I, I just think that baseball does need to find a way to crack down on this because it does change the, the competitive integrity of the sport. It does seem like it would be hard to police because a lot of times it's not as obvious as you would think it is. It's not like we're watching the game and we can see it all the time. But I wonder why now, because when that report initially came out, it seemed like most people in baseball were commenting on it saying, well, this is just kind of a known thing. And while the spin rate uh, improvements are an issue, I can imagine people would want to change that. I wonder why now, all of a sudden now they want to crack down on this. Here's my answer. At least this would be my guess, is that now you have, and it's a very great question, logical question. Why now? I mean, we all know they're doing it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, my answer would be, and I, my guess would be, is that they can read analytically more spin rates now than they could even a handful of years ago. So when you're seeing player X come back out from one year to the next and say, well, I, I went to driveline and I, I worked really hard, uh, been working on this pitch. And then they say, yeah, but the pitch is now elite and it wasn't before. So did you really work that hard to get it that that much better? And I think that's what they're they're trying to say is like that's it's one thing to have the rosin as and it's a great question you asked Mike and I, I was pleasantly surprised with his answer. Me too. Um, I think it's one thing to do it on a cold day or as the balls are rubbed up and usually it used to be done by the the clubhouse guys to rub it up. Um, that now it's it's gotten to the point where it's like over the top. You know what I mean? Like we're seeing spin rates and curveballs and things of that nature that are just ridiculous. And baseball is trying to get more activity and action in the game. And if these guys are dominating on that level, why is that happening? Why is this so good? Why is it so over the top? So that would be my guess, Michelle and Randy, is that they just saw those spin rates and said, okay, something's not right here. We all understand that guys get better, but that much better year to year. So I think you can measure it. Now, here's what I think you hit on a really interesting point, Michelle. How do you police this? So you have your compliance people that are going to be at the ballpark that are in the dugouts or in a hallway or in a clubhouse, wherever they may be, to look at these balls. So the ball goes out of play and they can look at it and they're going to send it to a third neutral party to look and evaluate the actual baseball and say, okay, here's the stuff that was on it. It was way beyond what we thought. But who who did it? Like, how do you find out who did it? Mm-hmm. And was it the pitcher that had something on his glove, on his fingers, on his hip? Was it the clubhouse guy? Who are you going to throw under the bus here? Like, how do you how do you find out who? It's almost impossible in my mind to figure out who did it. Yeah. And then are you going to test the ball after the game? And then there's going to be some retroactive punishment? How is that going to work? Yeah, I, I, I think maybe that they quietly, maybe baseball says, hey, we've got something on you. You better clean this thing up without going through the media and making this a public thing. Mm-hmm. But, hey, we've got you. So clean it up. I wonder if that's how they do it. And I look at a guy like Charlie Morton. All due respect to Charlie Morton, really, really, really good pitcher over the last few years. He was just a guy with Atlanta and Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. Then he gets to Houston, and all of a sudden he turns into a, a star right. at the age of 34. And Houston was thought of as the main culprit here in terms of teaching guys how to use this stuff to improve their spin rate and enhance their success. And if you do have, like Schultz says, 
we're doing our best to prevent our guys from using it. If you if you do have one team that is using it to improve their spin rate and their pitching performance and another team that isn't, then it is an unfair advantage for the team that is. I don't know if you guys remember. I thought Major League Baseball, and it might have been prior to last year, was going to use a standard baseball that did have a stickiness to it, not a overly sticky baseball, but a, a stickiness that it was uniform throughout baseball. Like mm-hmm. it's being used in the minor leagues. It was being used overseas. Right. I, I don't know where that is right now. They still haven't started it. Yeah. But it's still under consideration, and that's the best direction to go. I think so. You keep it uniform, and if you start seeing numbers that are jumping, then take a hard look at the baseball. That's Dan. Michelle is here. I'm Randy. And coming up, get your texts into the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. It has been a week with a, a big pit. Your peak and pit of the week next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Up into the peaks or into the pit. Peaks and pits. Join in on the conversation with Character and Smallman now. Text 65780. This is 101 ESPN. Peak and pit, and obviously we probably have our pit of the year, right, with yeah. the passing of Bob Plager a couple of days ago. But you can feel free to use that if you want, if you text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Guys, I've got my uh, peak and pit. My peak is this. I like to see other people be happy. I like to see other people enjoy life. Mm-hmm. Yesterday was the NBA trade deadline. Hmm. Lou Williams got traded to Atlanta from the Clippers. Lou Williams' favorite place in the world is Magic City, the strict club in Atlanta that has his magic wings. I was just going to say, Randy, he's only there for the food. The lemon pepper <laughs> wings are delicious. Michelle. My, uh, That's what he said, Dan. When I he got know, busted but... going to Magic City during quarantine, he said, I'm here for the wings, man. The lemon pepper wings. The lemon pepper wings. <laughs> he's got a menu item named after him he at does. Magic City. Does he so, really? I am just so happy for both Magic City and Lou Williams that the relationship can be enhanced. That's my peak of the week. <laughs> my my pit of the week is uh, last night, our city getting shut out 5-0. Blues 2-0, Cardinals 3-0. Come on, let's show some offense. Well, that could have been in honor of Bobby Plager. Five. Yeah. yeah. Allowed, yeah let's allow five. I just wish he was on the other side. Yeah, me too. Yeah, that's yeah, right. that's all that's I'm right. saying. But a number five is good. I don't know if you saw this, the Blues, when they went to their suite at the uh, arena. It was suite number five. I saw that. That's great. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. All right, so my my pit, obviously, is the passing of uh, Bobby Plager and my peak. And he's piqued a lot of interest of Cardinal fans. You like that? Huh? Uh-huh. How about that? that? How about John Nagowski the other day? When I thought it was a big game two days ago for, like, Austin Dean, Justin Williams, Nagowski, and this is the news of Bader uh, being hurt and Justin Williams being awarded another option. I thought, okay, here's some guys in the lineup. Makes it interesting. They're trying to make their case. Well, John Nagowski gets on base three times with a single, a walk, and a home run. And he's my pick, uh, peak. He's been fun to watch in this spring. And right. I love seeing him in left field. It's always fun to have that guy emerge during yeah. spring training. It's great. It and is. we're enjoying it. And I think he's kind of become the people's choice, too. I, I, I hear from everybody saying, man, I love watching Nagowski play. I hope he makes the team. He's uh, this era's Rico Washington. I, I wouldn't go that far, Randy. Rico, Rico. I wouldn't go that far. I called him Uncle Rico when he made the team. Did you really? Fun, yeah. I One love of my that. favorite movies ever. 
<laughs> I could have been a star. <laughs> you can throw this ball over those mountains right there. Napoleon Dynamite. I have not seen that movie in a minute. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. I need to revisit that. Yeah. I can never hear Jamiroquai and not think of Napoleon Dynamite. I agree. I um I actually watched Raising Arizona on Saturday from the beginning to the end. That was another one I had to reacquaint myself with. I've never seen that. And I did hard preparation for one of the games. Uh, I think it was Brad Thompson was with me last week, so I guess we're still within the week period. Mm-hmm. Uh, we played the dinner scenes from the clumps on YouTube. I, right, it was about 10 minutes before the first pitch, and they just had me that. dying laughing. You are an Eddie Murphy fan. I love him. Yeah, I think he's hysterical. I'm learning that about you, Dan. With he's coming hysterical. to America, now yeah. we're doing dinner scenes with the clumps. Yeah, it's good stuff. So that was a peak for me, too. What was. about, uh, do, do you like Donkey? Yeah. From Shrek? Okay. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. I thought he was great in that, too. Like a parfait. Everybody <laughs> loves a parfait. <laughs> oh, All right. man. Michelle. I think you guys know my pit. Yeah. I, think, I think you know. ILO. Yeah, I and I. But I, 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 I said it with too much verve there. ILO. I and I. Here we go. Do you know I was actually going to pop in on Monday and say just to check in on you and then I was going to send a text on Sunday as we are all on a text chain yes. and I thought I better not yeah, I was going I was going to give you trouble and I was like no I there's a lot of hurt going on right now I'm going to let it go The worst part about it was not only my hopes and dreams being absolutely shattered but then looking at my phone and having all of these people who are not Illinois fans mad at me because my enthusiasm for the yeah. team caused yeah. them to pick them as the national champion. So not only was I very heartbroken that my team was bounced from the tournament, but then I felt guilty for getting so many people on the bandwagon. I get it. I think my peak, though, is on with the NCAA tournament that it actually has been like the NCAA tournament. Yeah. I, I thought there would be not as many upsets, and I thought the Michigan-LSU game was fantastic. So like, fun. The crowd was into it. You could hear it, so it kind of felt normal again. So, yeah, that's a peak for me, too. All right. I think my peak is that that stupid tournament's almost over, and then I don't have to hear about it. <laughs> that baseball's right around the corner, and we can forget that college basketball ever happened. <laughs> All right, let's get a couple of uh, texts. 65780, Emily, what do you got? From the 573 peak, the excellent coverage of Bobby Plager's death yesterday with all the clips and interviews. And Pitt watching this Blues offense. Station did a great job. Mm -hmm. And congratulations to everybody. Emily did fantastic work for us every show throughout the day. And you can see it at 101ESPN.com. If you just go to our website, all of the interviews were incredible. And boy, the names that uh, we had. Fastlane had Alexander Steen, Bruce Affleck, Brett Hull, Petro, David Backus, John Hamm throughout the day, Scotty Bowman, John Davidson, Terry Crisp. You can hear all those interviews on the page at 101ESPN.com. From the 314 peak of the week, the Justice League Snyder Cut was glorious. Have you guys watched that? I have not. I don't even know what that is. It's the director's cut of the Justice League movie. What's Justice League? Come on, Michelle, catch up. I don't know what that is. Superheroes, right? Superheroes. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't like care Batman. less about Marvel or superheroes or any of that. I'm just not into it. I'm, I'm not dissing anyone that is. I've never seen it. I have no interest in seeing it. What about Star Wars? I've never seen Star Wars. I have no interest oh. in seeing Star Wars. What about Star Trek? Same. Oh. What about Captain Kirk? Same. Not interested. Star Wars. Gotta have, have Star Wars. <laughs> They did it Star, Star Wars. Wars. La, 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 la. It's an old SNL. 
That I know. We're old, Randy. <laughs> yeah, that I know. You and I make us each other laugh with old jokes. It's pretty funny. It's good. All right, let's get one more. From the 434 peak, found out I get to be at Bush Stadium for opening day for my anniversary. Yes. We got married in front of Stan's statue. Wow. Very cool. Congrats. Yeah. Pitt having to watch the game. Oh, no. The game's going to be awesome. From outside the gates. Oh. Having to watch oh, the game from, from outside, out, the, from gate. outside oh, the gates. I was like, wait, what? Okay. Yeah, was that a pit? It. That makes sense. Hey, you're, at least you're watching a game. That's right. Yeah. So that'll be good. Hey, thanks very much for your text. We do appreciate it. Coming up, we're going to head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and our buddy Jay Delsing. Golf with Jay Delsing. Sunday mornings at 9 here on 101 ESPN. We're going to talk a little bit about what's going on with the tour, with match play, and what we should look for now that we are so close to the Masters. That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. We are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. You can hear golf with Jay Delsing Sunday morning at 9 here on 101 ESPN. And our friend is on the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Jay, good morning. How you doing? Good, guys. Good. Still a little sad here. Losing Bobby Pleger is such a great guy, such a such a part of our community and the sports community really shocking almost yeah it was stunning when we got the news a couple of days ago and obviously jay is a big part of our st louis sports community i'm sure that you had many opportunities to run across and, and visit with bobby you know randy he was such a great guy he was whenever i went to the to the rink and he met the you know had my kids with me he treated me like i was one of the blues players he would he was so kind and he always told the girls funny stories about him him playing golf or you know something he, he just had so much time and such a heart for everybody and he told the funniest um story about when he was um on the defense pairing with noel picard and noel had just come in from montreal they didn't communicate so well and the first rush came down at two on two and they both went to the to the puck carrier and, you know, gave up a goal and they went back to the bench and he said, well, we have to have a system here. You know, we have to communicate better. And well, so I know exactly what to do next time down. Um, if I say a color, you go to the puck carrier. If I say a fruit, I'll go to him. And Bobby's kind of looking at him like, what? And, and he goes, okay, fine. You know, they didn't have a whole lot of time to organize this. So Sure enough, there's a two-on-two, and Noel says orange. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, oh, gosh. I mean, and, and, you know, the way Bobby was just a wonderful storyteller. Just, you know, he, he just captured a room, and, and um, he was just such a, a kind guy, and which flew so much in the face of the way that he played on the ice. Remember the hip checks, you guys? When yeah. We were kids. We would watch the entire game for one of those hip checks, and, have some, you know, some of these skates would be, you know, 12 feet up in the air because Bobby completely whacked them. It was great. Yeah, really great. It's a, it's a tough, tough time. It just, it just reminds us guys how fleeting everything is, you know, and you just have to try to enjoy your loved ones as much as you can because you just don't know what you're going to get. Absolutely. And thanks for sharing that story, Jay. Story, Jay. We've been getting stories from people all day yesterday and today about Bobby Plager. He really de- did leave such a legacy. But we did want to ask you about some golf stuff. It's kind of amazing that the Masters is right around the corner. And I wanted to know who's your early favorite. Oh, my gosh, Michelle. It, it is. It, it just the, the, the pandemic with Augusta, you know, still kind of holding back on, on how many people can go. If you're in one of the lucky 
really lucky elite that get to get in there. There's not going to be anybody on the Augusta National this year. You're going to get views that you haven't ever seen before. And I'm waiting. I've been watching this week. The Dell match play is going on this week, and I've been waiting to see if Dustin Johnson kind of snaps out of where he's been in this little funk because he played some of the most dominating golf since Tiger last year and and for that last little probably six-month swing. But what I love, you guys, is watching these match plays and you see guys get beaten by players that no one's ever heard of, and it just shows you how tight and, and close the competition is. So to answer your question, I'm really fascinated by anything that Bryson DeChambeau does. Uh, I, 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 I think if he has a, a better week than he had last year, he's, he's going to, he's got to get a green jacket here somewhere along the line, Michelle. So I'm looking for him. Yeah, I was actually reading about him last night, and we know that he transformed his body to put on weight and get really strong. But I thought it was interesting that he's adjusted his diet again. He's cut back his calories to 1,500 uh, calories a day. He's trying to get faster and trimmer, and I think it's amazing that he's constantly tinkering with his body to make sure that his game is on point. Oh, my gosh, Michelle. The, the amount of awareness this guy has between he and my, someone like myself. I mean, I didn't know what color shoes to put on with the pants that I had on that day. <laughs> this guy is so plugged into every single component. And so what he realized is that he bulked up to give himself, you know, he thought that was the key to getting maximum amount of speed. And once he got to a certain strength level, now he wants to to lengthen those muscles out a little bit and, and become a little more streamlined because it'll, it'll take him to the maximum amount of speed that he can have. And that's, I don't know how he knows all that stuff. You guys, I just, I used to just look at the ball, you know, and go, well, that was better. I need to try to do that more often. You know, he's got so much data guys. Oh my gosh. Hey Jay, uh, what do you think the course is going to play like down at Augusta? We saw it in the fall, and now it's back to spring. Are they doing any changes with that? And just the comparing of the two, it just—it doesn't seem like that long ago we were watching the Masters. I know, Danny Mac. It's so uh, that's such a good point because what happens at Augusta, you guys, is there's always changes. Most of them pretty subtle, but one of the first things that the players will tell you when they come back for a new event is like, "What do they do differently?" You know, they'll plant. 70-foot trees. You know, when the Eisenhower tree fell down on 17, they they planted something the next day. Um, So things like that, because they have unlimited resources and and they're sneakier than hell down there. So um, they bought, you know, they bought the third, they bought the ninth. um, There's a a country club that runs adjacent to the one side of the property where the 13th tee at Augusta National backs up to. And that's uh, Augusta Country Club. And they bought the entire hole because what they want to do is lengthen that tee shot back there, which I hope they don't do, you guys, because the 13th puts so much drama and, and, and gives such great theater for, for golf because it makes the par five reachable and things like that. That would be the first thing, Danny, that I'd look to. But there's little tweaks about the way they cut the grass, you guys. They, they, they do a lot of different things. Like if you'll look at the, I know this is so like so too much golf, but if you look at the fairways, you'll see that there's uh, a pattern in the way that the the grass is mown. Hmm. Well, some years you guys, they'll take, and they have these major forces of, of ground uh, keeping folks there. So they'll get them all together and they'll cut the fairways running so that they run directly into you so that when your ball lands, it won't get a whole heck of a lot of roll. 
And there's always going to be some roll because of the undulation, but they do stuff like that. They'll change the mowing pattern on the grass so that your ball will, and, and, and then you'll see holes that'll have a stripe in it. So there'll be one, one patch will be into you. One will be down grain. And, and the players, I'm telling you, the players will try to hit those down grain patches to get an extra 20 or 30 yards. Hey, Jay, I want to ask you about the match play this weekend. It seems to me as I watch, there are guys who are great uh, on a regular four round tournament that just, can't for whatever reason play match play and uh, on the other side of the coin there are guys who that are great at the match play but you never see them uh, on the leaderboard consistently in regular tournaments are there guys that are just for whatever reason better or not as good at match play there there are Randy. it's almost i'd love to hear some of the other folks opinion that like the game because we don't do much match play and it's one of those things that come around when the Ryder Cup comes around. You're like, you know, um, who who excels? And you look at Ian Poulter. He hasn't played worth a hoot in I don't know how long. And every time he gets, you know, locked in the match play, he knocked Roy uh, McElroy off the first day so easily, six and five. And he's always a force. And he has broken so many of the red, white, and blue hearts in the in the Ryder Cup. He's somebody to always watch for. Another really, really tough strong match play player is a, a, a kid from South Carolina, Kevin Kisner. Mm-hmm. He he won this tournament, I think, last year or the year before, and he's always tough as nails. He's a straight hitter. This golf course, Austin Country Club, you guys, is really, really tricky. It's nothing that I'd ever think Bryson DeChambeau would like because it takes, and some of the longer hitters like Dustin Johnson, it takes driver out of their hand um, so often because it's not that – um, it's just tight. It's it, it runs out of room, and there's actually no fairway. It's not like oh you can go. No, there's no fairway. So you're going to have to hit a lot of layup shots, and so it's a very tricky golf course. I, I did this tournament a few years back with PGA Tour Live, and was amazed at how uh, this golf course would not fit some of the longer uh, hitters. Jay, when you uh, have the show on Sunday morning, who are you going to hear at nine o'clock? Well, I've got uh, Billy Andre on, who oh, is nice. now. Uh, uh, yeah, Danny, you um, when you were emceeing the uh, the great um, Ascension Charity Classic event this past fall, uh, Billy was uh, a new Ascension um, ambassador, and I've got uh, Jason Rubel, who was a uh, CEO of uh, SSM Health. Uh, they did a great job, guys, with this knee replacement, and I know a lot of folks my age are having some of this done, and I thought they'd like to to know about SSM Health. So. They're going to be on with me this week. Sounds great. We'll be tuned in, Jay. We always like talking to you. We'll see you later. Yeah, thanks, guys. Great show. And also check out uh, Jay Delsing Golf online. You can check out his social media presence as well. He gives away a lot of free stuff, has great equipment recommendations and reviews. So check out uh, all of Jay's online presence as well. Next up, Greg Amzinger, MLB Network on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. MLB Network's lead anchor is Greg Amzinger. He's a native of St. Louis, and he is a product of the Lindenwood University, like Dan, like Randy, and he's with us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good morning, Mr. Amzinger. How you doing? Uh, you know what? It's a tricky question to answer. Uh, I'm kind of on the disabled list. I, I tested positive for COVID on Monday. So here's the weird part about that. I, I've been um, quarantining in my basement. 
the only time I've ever like chatted with people, my wife and kids, thankfully they're all testing negative. Uh, they'll talk to me from the top of the staircase. Okay. Everyone else have been flooded with text messages. So many people are worried about me, you know, email, text, all that stuff. No one will call me though. It's as if, it's as if hearing my voice could transmit the virus. So I, I'm concerned for all three of you. Uh, I apologize to your producer, Emily. If you guys do start feeling the sniffles or anything, please let me know. Greg, did you have symptoms? How did this come about? Uh, on Monday, it's weird. I, I, I've been dealing with the Albert Pujols injury, plantar fasciitis, which is for real. It's awful. I don't know how this man ran at all. So I've been dealing with that on my left foot for the last like three months. And I just started getting better. And on Sunday and Monday, I decided, you know what? I'm going to get back to running three miles. So in the cold here in Jersey, I would run. And on the second day, I woke up on Monday. I was like, just so exhausted. I'm like, well, I'm 41 and I'm out of shape. That's got to be what it is. So I got my stuff on and I went out and ran again. And it was brutal. And I just couldn't shake how tired I was. I felt so bad. But, you know, I still was working every day, doing 30 clubs in 30 days. So I was, you know, on TV six feet apart, but without a mask on next to Tom Verducci on Monday and then on Tuesday next to Al Leiter. So I felt terrible to those guys. At the moment, they're okay. But we get tested regularly at MLB Network, and I just found out on Tuesday that my Monday test, I tested positive. So I just thought it was because I was running. But now, since I found out, I am zapped. I mean, no energy. I've been sleeping constantly. Um, the chest congestion is mild. Fever was it kind of spiked last night. But, yeah, I'm dealing with the symptoms, and it stinks. Well, Greg, we hope that you take care of yourself and feel better soon. We need you to get on the up and up. Thank you. I do appreciate that. I've just been a baseball nerd the entire time, just reading about every team. It's it's depressing. It's like literally the only thing I want to look at. <laughs> Greg, I, I got to tell you something. As we talk about health as old guys, I was so happy to see a professional athlete like Juan Soto have to leave a game with his cramp in his calf because sometimes at 3 in the morning, I will wake up with a cramp in my calf and go, oh, and then I'll have to walk it off. So, and it takes an hour for me to walk off a cramp in my calf. So I was happy to see Juan Soto have to do that. So you have something in common with one of the best athletes in professional sports. You're like, I feel you, Juan. I know. You know what it's like to be Randy Carricker now, Juan. Is that what you're thinking? It's exactly. funny because my spring training injury story that I, it drove me bananas is seeing Eloy Jimenez jump up a fence to try to save a spring training home run, and he rips his pectoral. And now he's out five to six months. What are we doing? Like, I'm sorry. I, I, why don't we as managers, and Tony La Russa should know this better than anybody, you tell all of your outfielders, I, I, all the guys that you know are going to make the team, if I see you dive for a baseball this spring, you're going to be reprimanded. I don't want to see a diving catch. Dylan Carlson, I love you. Do not dive to make a catch in spring training. I don't want any of my regulars doing that in the outfield. The fact that Eloy Jimenez is out because he tried to make some fancy over-the-wall catch to rob a home run in spring training is, is mind-numbing. How so, bad is that for the White Sox? Oh, it's terrible. He's so good. And we haven't even seen 
how how great he can become. I mean, he's put on some batting practice expeditions that are just that are just insane, man. He's an unbelievable talent. He's like a baby Miggy, uh, Miguel Cabrera, in the way he can power all fields. He doesn't strike out a ton for the, the size of, of of his bat. I think this guy is is a future superstar in the game. This is a huge blow. Uh, obviously, they've got a lineup that's stacked, so it's not like they're going to have a hard time scoring runs. But just it just separated them so much more from the Minnesota Twins and the Kansas City Royals and the other clubs in that division. Having him in the middle of that order, um, it's, I still think the White Sox are going to win the division, but it'll be closer than I originally thought. Greg, every day leading up to opening day, we're doing burning questions surrounding the Cardinals. And yesterday, the question that we posed was, can Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright do it again? So I wanted to ask you, and realistically, what do you expect out of those two guys in 2021? Uh, I expect fewer games from each guy. I, I do. Um, and here's why. We're already talking about where you're going to get the innings for all 30 teams, right? Because we have a 60-game season, and pitchers are creatures of habit and routine, and, and they all got thrown out of whack. Well, once you're getting close to the age of 40, that, that, that muscle memory and that, that routine needs to be on point. And both guys are in incredible shape. I give them credit for that. But I don't – if you want the, the same level of performance, I don't think you can push the same number of starts for Adam Wainwright, same number of games for uh, Yadier Molina back in 2019. I think you're going to have to scale it back a little bit. You're going to have to coddle them in some way. If you want their, their performance – because at the end of the day, what, what are we thinking about? We're thinking about the, the, the month of September. Cardinals are vying for an NL Central title. We're thinking about the month of October. You're going to want Adam Wainwright, hopefully, to start a postseason game. And Yadier Molina, you want him catching every single one of those games in October. So if that is the goal, you're going to have to manage them. And think NBA. You're going to have to manage their minutes. They're not 29 anymore. They're 39. So you just got to, you got to, because we're coming off of the pandemic shortened season, they're going to have to get extra attention. So the overall numbers won't be what we saw, but the ERA for Adam Wainwright could be the same. And Yadier Molina's OPS could be even better if, if you just manage their minutes. So Greg, uh, by the way, sorry, you have COVID. I, that, that stinks. <laughs> Hate to hear that. Thanks, um, we're six days away from opening day. Give me the one, if you if you're on opening day and you're you're locked in your basement and you're watching games and you're taking in uh, all the different things on opening day, what what's the one big game player storyline whatever it may be that you would say, all right, this is what I'm watching, this is what I got to take in that that storyline for the upcoming season? Well, there's so many. I'll go with uh, Shohei. Yeah, you want one? I got one. Oh, okay. Give me one. Well, no, I want your one. <laughs> oh, my one. Yeah. Jeez, it, I, it, I guess there's a fun list that I could give you. I would go uh, well, Otani. That's me. I want to see. I want to see Shohei Otani be Babe Ruth. I want to see Shohei Otani continue this this incredible performance at the plate because I do think he's going to make a huge difference on the mound for the Angels. And what we could see is one of the most historic seasons in baseball history to have someone have a collective war that is just mind-boggling. I mean, think about it. If he continues to throw 100 miles an hour on the mound and he gets worked into a six-man rotation, and even if he makes 15 starts, Dan, and he hits over 300 with 20 home runs, we we may never see something like this again unless he finds a groove and can do this year after year. So Shohei Otani, and I said this last year, he was the guy I was watching. He's still my number one, only because we've never seen anybody – try this and it looks like he's built after his surgery he's built to do this now 
And then right next to him is going to be my guy, Fernando Tatis Jr., because I think he's the LeBron of baseball, and I want to see him take over the National League. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, I, I, I'm Otani I'm fascinated with, and then I held my breath when I saw uh, Tatis Jr. with the shoulder little impingement or whatever the case was the other day, and I thought, wow, that's $340 million. And, and you know, you, you do think that way. You know, we it, it's awesome to talk about a guy being the face of a of really the sport. I, I'm with you. I think he is the face of the sport, but he's got to stay healthy. And if you're the Padres and you see that and you just signed him for $340 million, it, it does make you catch your breath a little bit and go, whew, okay, he's okay. He yeah, run no, yeah, no doubt. I mean, at the end of the day, they do have another great shortstop to his right, Manny Machado, who can right. still play that position if need be. And he is extremely important, no question about it. The shoulder impingement, they hope that he gets back and gets some spring training at-bats here soon. He wanted to get in the lineup yesterday, uh, but Tingler said no. Uh, at the end of the day, the guy throws the ball harder than any uh, position player. So what's the next step to make sure his shoulder stays okay? I mean, people don't remember this, but Ozzie Smith came up with the Padres. He had a cannon for an arm. And then he had shoulder issues, and it hurt to throw. So what did he do to get through that? He got rid of the ball quicker. He doesn't, you don't need to throw the ball 96 miles an hour or 97 miles an hour like Sean Dustin threw at 101 miles an hour. He's just a freak. But, but Fernando Tatis Jr. does not need to show that off on every single play. He cut down his throwing errors last year dramatically. There was some ridiculous talk by people that just get lost in saber numbers that Fernando Tatis Jr. needs to play center field because he had so many throwing errors. I can't stand when people do that. It just it drives me crazy. You know how many players have won gold gloves while leading their position in errors? It's happened numerous times. Josh Donaldson did it most recently a few years back at third base. My friend Harold Reynolds did it. He led the American League in errors at second base. Does that mean he's a bad defensive player? No, he was getting the baseballs no one else was getting to, trying to make you know highlight reel plays, and the ball get, you know bounced, and the first baseman just needs to throw it softer, care for his shoulder, because at the end of the day, he brings way too many other intangibles to the club that's going to make him a superstar for years to come. Hey, Greg, I see at least five teams I really like in the National League. Obviously, the Dodgers and the Padres. I really like Atlanta. I really like the Mets. And even though they appear to be on the downside, I wouldn't be surprised if Washington did something this year. But I look at the American League, and I I see the Yankees. And I I see the Yankees. (laughs) Yeah. I kind of think the American League is mediocre, just based on on rosters. Randy, it says if the Rays were the National League champions and the Dodgers were the uh, the National League, no, the, the Dodgers were the American League champions and the Rays were the National League champions because the Dodgers are back, they're loaded, they got Trevor Bauer, they made themselves better, they made some, they got Corey Knebel in the bullpen, and it's as if the Dodgers were the American League champions, everyone's like, okay, they won the World Series, they're even better this year, they got David Price back, forget it, why are we even going to try to make our roster better? Right, so now you just got the Ray, the, the Yankees are going to try to give the Dodgers a run for their money, and then on the National League side, the Rays were two wins away from winning the World Series, and the Rays got rid of Blake Snell, and they've tinkered with their their roster, and now all the National League teams are going. Wait a minute, they don't have Blake Snell anymore. Maybe we have a chance at winning the National League. It's 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 a complete role reversal. I don't understand it. The Dodgers got better, and you got a bunch of teams in the in National mm-hmm. League that are trying to beat the Dodgers. The Rays got worse, and you've got. How many teams? We got the White Sox and we got the Blue Jays. They made dramatic moves. Then you probably put the Twins at third by making the moves they got. They got Colomay and a couple other people. Uh, Jay have to go in the back end of the rotation. 
and then they got Angelson Simmons. But then you've got the Yankees. It's an oddball thing. And, you know, you just don't know how certain owners are going to react to the financial constraints of this pandemic. But to me, it's, it's once the Padres started throwing money around and making trades for Darvish and Snell and going, you know what, we're going for it. It just, it just confirmed that the Dodgers are in it for the long haul because they continue to spend money. And then you saw the Cardinals go, well, wait a minute, we can win the division. Everybody was sitting on their hands in the NL Central. And it's just all about the owners deciding, yeah, what are we going to green light? What are we not going to green light? And the American League has just kind of sat pat. And you're right, the, the, the crown jewel of baseball right now is the National League. It's not the American League anymore. Hey, one last thing. In terms of days, are you going to be able to be on TV for opening day next Thursday? That is really a great question. Uh, one that's so good, I've been, I've been told not to answer it. How about okay. that? So I, I, I am doing my best uh, to, to be on, uh, on opening day. Fingers crossed. Uh, we'll be taking regular COVID tests once I feel better. But, yeah, that, that's, that's the goal at the moment. But I cannot confirm or deny. Well, we, we know you're going to be fired up next Thursday. So you, you will come on with us next Thursday either way, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm just down in my basement in my underwear right now, so that's not hard. <laughs> we'll, we'll be your outlet for for, <laughs> okay. for opening day. Yeah, thanks for speaking to me. I've heard some first voices I've heard in forever. It's really nice. And we aren't even scared. <laughs> that's, it's because you guys are from St. Louis. You know what I mean? That Midwest. Midwest toughness. Stuff. <laughs> Craig, have a great weekend. Sorry about the way you're feeling. Feel better, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, guys, take care. Uh, Thanks for coming on. Greg Amzinger, MLB Network on 101 ESPN. Next up, we do have our eight burning questions. Next up, can the Cardinal bullpen live up to what it's been the last couple of years? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Prepare to initiate burn. O'Neal, deep right at the wall. Him, hits it through. What a throw by Yachty. Eight burning questions hot, 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 hot. for the Cardinals 2021 season. Number five. Number five. <laughs> Last year, the Cardinal bullpen was third in the National League with an earned run average of 4.00. They were third in the National League. The bullpen was with a whip of 1.27 and an opponent's average of 211, which was also third in the National League. Year before that, Third in the National League in ERA. Cardinal bullpen with a 3.88. Second in the National League in whip with a 1.22. The opponent's average, 218. That was first of any bullpen in Major League Baseball. And two years ago, 9.77 strikeouts per nine innings. That was tied for third in the National League. Michelle and Danny, you look at what's coming back this year with Hicks returning. And by the way, Brebbia wasn't with the team last year, and he's out of the organization. But Hicks returning, Gallegos, Reyes, Helsley, Cody Whitley, and I would think that Ponce de Leon will be down there. But then you can bring up during the course of a season guys like Tommy Parsons, Jake Woodford, and then the three lefties, Andrew Miller, uh, Cabrera, and Tyler Webb. I see no reason why the Cardinals shouldn't be able to live up to what they've done the last two years. I actually think this is the component of the team that I'm still the most confident in is the bullpen, especially the back end of the bullpen. As you mentioned, Miller, Gallegos. Then you have Hicks returning and an Alex Reyes who looks electric. I have no reason to doubt them. I think this is the strength of the team. I'm with you. 
I think what's going to be interesting is the first month or two, uh, who closes games out? Right. Now, I don't think there's going to be an official closer. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Alex Reyes get a lot of those shots, but uh, matchups would dictate that. Rest would dictate that. But I'm with you, Michelle. I think how the Cardinals are going to win games this year. I'm not sold on their offense. I think, obviously, it's been upgraded with Arenado. We'll see how it plays out. O'Neill has had a pretty good camp. You know, we'll see if that carries over into the regular season. You just don't know. Tommy Edmond at the top. But we're talking about the bullpen. This is where, in my mind, they separate themselves from other teams now on this is on paper but if you look at like the secondary guys with other teams how did they win last year it was their bullpen and with a deficient offense at times they were able to get at the lesser bullpen members of other teams and that's how they won games so i i really do believe this is going to be a strength of their club and i think across the board in major league baseball certainly with the cardinals too how teams use their starters in terms of how deep they go in games is going to be fascinating because, number one, analytically, they tell you don't go third time through a lineup. That's something you hear a lot. Um, but the other part is is just trying to curtail innings. So you're turning these games over to the bullpen, and I like the Cardinals' bullpen on paper as opposed to a lot of other teams. And it would appear, especially with the cut-downs that were made yesterday, that the the eight names that we listed, Hicks, Gallegos, Reyes, Helsley, Whitley from the right side, and then Miller, Webb, Cabrera from the left side, it would seem like those would be the eight, and the Cardinals are going with 13 pitchers, so eight relievers. I would think that would be the group. Yeah, John Gant then is in your rotation. Yes, to start. Ponce would be kind of your swingman sixth uh, option, if you will, in your starting rotation. I really like what I've seen out of Jake Woodford. Um, Woodford has been really good in the games that we've done on television. But I think to protect yourself, he goes to the alternate site. Then AAA starts. He's in your rotation. You got Oviedo in your rotation. Who knows where Liberator and Thompson go? So you're going to have some options that if you need to dip down into your minor league system because of injury or uh, innings or wear and tear, that kind of thing, they're going to have depth. And that's where the strength of this club lies. And it does appear that sooner rather than later, KK is going to be in your rotation. So Ponce de Leon probably finds his way into the bullpen as a a multi-inning guy and then is really going to depend on performance early in the season for a guy like Cody Whitley, for a guy like uh, perhaps even Ryan Helsley. I love Whitley. I do too. Uh, And I think he's perfect for what this team has, which should be a very good uh, defense. They should be really good defensively. You mentioned the name of Tommy Parsons. Like he is... He he showed we didn't get a chance to watch a lot of the young guys, but man, of the young guys that we got a chance to see, the thing I loved about him is that he threw strikes, and that's what Cody Whitley does. He's got very good command, and if anything with this team, if I'm Mike Maddox, I'm saying, guys, I'm always preaching throwing strikes, but look out into your third base, short, second, first, center when Bader's healthy, and I like Carlson there. Uh, O'Neill's won a gold glove. This is a good defensive team. Throwing strikes should be at a premium. And Parsons, by the way, in spring training, pitched in six games. He wound up with a 2.00 ERA, nine innings thrown. And, Dan, to your point about his control, he walked two in his nine innings of work. That works. That'll play. And did strike out seven. So the Cardinals have relievers on the horizon, too. And that's part of being a good bullpen at this point day and age in baseball it's not just the eight that you have it's the four or five that you have down at your minor league camp or in the minor leagues too and we're fixated as we all are me too on the 26 man roster of opening day but really if you're going to win and especially this year 
and a lot of people are very concerned, like the experts in the game about injuries mm-hmm. with pitching. You're really talking about like a 35-man roster. Exactly. You know, you're, you're going to go down into your bullpen. Uh, you're going to go down into minor leagues. You're going to go everywhere and try to figure out how to how to get through games, how to get through 162 coming off last year. That is our burning question for today about the Cardinals on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the Blues taking on the Anaheim Ducks tonight at Enterprise Center. The question is, can Joe Vitale go back-to-back? That's mm. next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. We're talking blues hockey. It's the Joey Vitale Report on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by the Electrical Connection. When you need quality electrical work for your home or business, visit electricalconnection.org. Last night, the Blues fell to the Minnesota Wild 2-0. We'll just put that one on the broadcasters, Chris Kerber and Joey Vitale. <laughs> and Joe Vitale is with us now on the Broad and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good morning, sir. Are you capable of being solid in a back-to-back? Oh, absolutely, Randy. I mean, listen, we, we end up getting back there uh, probably around midnight, one after we wrapped up post-game, a quick little reset. It's going to be it's going to be tough for the players, but it's even tougher for these broadcasters. You know, having to break this game down and getting very little sleep up the next morning. But I think it's going to be a very healthy back-to-back game here for the Blues. Now, they played well last night, well enough to win the game certainly. And it's always those games where you know you play so well, but you don't get the result you want. But that's where I think you really start to see that the season trend in a much better direction and a quick turnaround for the Blues. And I will probably be ready to get get after here tonight. And we broke it down in our opening segment and talked about what happened on the ice. Is it fair and reasonable for us to blame you and Curbs? Absolutely. Absolutely. I will take it right on the chin um, (laughs) for that one, Randy. I mean, listen, the Blues did their part. The coaching staff did their part. Uh, It really just kind of comes down to the broadcasters. You know, it's it's everyone pulling the rope in the same direction. And and when you don't do your part, it's very hard for the players to get out there and do what they need to do. I, I will take this one. I will take full responsibility for everything that happened last night. Well, then we need to bounce back out of you, Joey, today, okay? <laughs> I'm going to be better. I'm going to listen. I'm going to be better here tonight. It was my first game against Minnesota all season. Yes. Some of these Russians, I couldn't pronounce their names. And you know how that goes, of course. Actually, you guys are professionals. You don't know how that goes. But for an idiot like me, it takes me a little while to get in. I love that. I love that Arizona set we had. It's seven games in a row. I didn't even need to prep anymore, so that was pretty fun <laughs> stuff. But last night caught me off guard a little bit. What was it like, uh, Joey, with you know the Bobby Plager passing and, and doing the broadcast and, and maybe your thoughts growing up around here and being around Bobby, being a hockey player, all those things that go into it? Oh, yeah. Was, listen, Dan, it was, it was a fun night to celebrate this man's life and hear from wonderful people that he's impacted, you know, and, and people from all facets of life, whether it be players, coaches, you know, legends like Larry Robinson, uh, the outreach from all over Twitter and social media, but then just just children and, and normal people. And I think, you know, I think Curb said it, you know, kind of best last night. You know, you look at all the people on social media and people who had a big impact through Bobby Player. Player. They didn't really put pictures up of just him, like you see with a lot of legends that passed, whether it's just a picture of him playing. But it was more about pictures with him, whether he be at a, a you know ceremony or some sort of function or fundraiser. He just was everywhere. He impacted so many people's lives, and I think he did it through the incredible personality that he had. You know, my my go-to favorite Bobby Plager story isn't necessarily that funny, but I think it just really sums up the person he was. It was Game Five back in the 2019 Stanley Cup Final in Boston. It was a two-two series. 
the Blues did a great job by allowing one employee. Each employee had a chance to get on a private jet, go up, watch an away game in Boston, get tickets. They really took care of all their employees. And since Curbs and I were obviously calling the game, it didn't really apply to us. Well, you know, Steve Chapman and Chris Zimmerman would say, hey, they extended it even further. Say, I know you guys are already going to be there, but is there anyone you want to bring with you? So, of course, I thought of my, my dad because my wife, we just had, uh, she was pregnant, so she couldn't make it. So I thought of my father. So I said, Dad, why don't you come on this trip with me? And it's a flight to Boston, a ticket to game five. You know, my dad, was he poured concrete his whole life. The first hockey game he's ever seen was me playing. We, he used to take me to Blues games, but we would leave after the first period because he had to get up at 4 a.m. So uh, he wasn't a really a sport nut. Let's just put it that way. He didn't have an athletic bone in his whole body. So he didn't know much about sports, but he was able and willing and excited. And as, as the days goes on, I'm checking in with my dad to make sure he's okay. You know, he's like a little kid. He gets lost in an airport. He can't really get around all that much, kind of old school in that way. So I'm constantly checking in. And every time I check in with my dad, hey, Dad, how's the day going? You make it to Boston? Yeah, Joe, all's good. I'm here with my good friend Bob. We're all we're all just kind of hanging out, doing our thing. And, okay, an hour later, Dad, how's, how's everything going? Yeah, good, Joe. I'm here with Bob here now. We're at lunch. I'm trying to think, who the heck's this Bob guy? And then I meet up with him after the game, after the Blues win that game. And I go, hey, Dad, how was he? He goes, Joe, what a game. Hey, have you met Bob? And it's Bobby Plager. I'm like, Bobby Plager. And he goes, he goes yeah, I know, Bob. And I go, I take him aside. I go, Dad, you know who this is? He goes, yeah, it's Bob. I, I met him on the fight. Super nice guy. I think he has a son on the team. I go, Dad, this is a Blues legend. Like, maybe the Mr. Blue. And I started going into history. He was part of the original team in 67. He was a coach. He was an ambassador. He was a scout. He's done it all. He goes, how oh, son of a gun? I had no idea. What a nice gentleman. But I love that story. I loved hanging out with my dad that day. And there was nothing pretentious about Bob. He, he just loved people. And, and he probably loved my, my dad because my dad had no idea who he was. And he probably loved his small talk and not having to talk about blues hockey. But they talked about concrete. They talked about the hill. They talked about the favorite place for toasted ravioli. And they just had a breeze all day. My dad spent with them not knowing who he was. But that's. That's the humility of Bob, and that was that was a person that figured out a very important thing in life, which I think a lot of professional athletes can connect with, and maybe if they haven't yet, they should. What you did is just what you did. It doesn't ever make up who you are, and that's what Bob was so great about, and Shane Doan, my captain in Arizona, was that as well. Just because you have these accolades and you had this career and you played this great sport and you were professional and all the people wanted to be you, Keep in mind, that's just what you did. Don't ever let that shape who you are. And Bob was so good about just keeping his roots about him. And this is the person I am. And I want to connect with people, whether you're a professional athlete or a little kid and crack a joke. So that's what I love and miss most about Bob Bob Player. That's an incredible story, Joey. Thanks for sharing that with us. Um, When I look at the Blues schedule in the month of April, it's going to be a grind for them. What's one thing that you would like to see out of the team as they head into this month of April? Well, you know, you like to see you like to see some some lines take over the game, Michelle. I think I think it's going to need to be it need, need, listen. It needs to happen, right? Last week you saw Ryan O'Reilly, David Prawn, and Jordan Kyrou's line take over that San Jose game. You're looking at a a lineup. You're looking at a schedule that's probably unfavorable. Whereas you're playing the majority of the games against these top three teams. You got seven more against the Minnesota Wild. They're going to be a stingy opponent. Colorado, Vegas are going to be tough opponents. And they're kind of flirting on that fourth and fifth spot right now. So it's going to be tight, right? So how are you going to pull through this? You have to have lines. Not, so, not, not specifically individuals, 
But lines take over a game, like we saw with that O'Reilly line, as they collectively had 11 points in that 5-1 victory versus San Jose Sharks. Brayden Shen's line, I think they're close. I loved their first period last night. I love the jump. Brayden Shen getting out there and fighting off that first shift really got the boys going. Then after he gets out of the box, I thought Gladdy had his legs. Jaden Schwartz is starting to find his groove, I think. This is a line that can take over a game and maybe get you a couple a couple goals one night and maybe a goal the next night. And once you start having those lines take over on a consistent basis, you start putting four or five together, then you're looking at maybe just playing 500 hockey the rest of the way and you can really survive and just get in. I think I think the Blues right now, given the last you know 20-ish games of the season left, they're just looking to get in. I mean, at the beginning of the season, they're looking, let's get this division, let's get ourselves a nice spot for playoffs maybe get the one-two seed, get a good matchup, and that home ice advantage, all that and stuff. I think right now, just get in. Just get in because you never really know. And that Blues in the 2019, they had that kind of same mojo, playing well into the playoffs. They just get in. Was it a favorable matchup in that first round? No. I thought the Winnipeg Jets were probably the best team in our division at the time, and we had to go to Winnipeg in a very hostile environment and play them. But it worked out very well. And something about having a hard opponent in that first round that I think becomes very favorable. So for the St. Louis Blues, Keep your head above water, have lines start to take over, and be satisfied with kind of having that four spot when it comes to mid-May. Joey, are you concerned about the Blues' consistency with competition? They talked before last night, the, the two games prior to that, Coach and the players talked about their compete level. And like you say, I, I'm fine if they finish in fourth place, but are they going to be able to get that competitive level up consistently enough to make the playoffs? I think they will. And I think they will because they know what's at stake now, Randy. You know, I think that you look at the season in February in the grind of a month, and then even March with all the road games, it, it's a grind. You're just trying to get through. I know it sounds horrible, but you're just trying to get through. You're trying to keep your head above water and keep yourself in a good spot. Well, they are in a good spot. They're still in a playoff spot. And now you're hitting April. And now the light's at the end of the tunnel. You know, it's like it's like science exam. It's crunch time. It's in two days, and you haven't studied all semester. But now it's crunch time. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna stay up all night and do what you gotta do to study. And this is what it's gonna be like for the Blues because they got about six ish weeks now heading into the final part of the season, and they know the push is on. The, the grind is on, and I think now with being at home, it's a little bit more of a comfortable setting. I think that you're looking around in the world. Uh, I saw a report the other day that by early, mid-April, there's going to be anyone who wants to be vaccinated in St. Louis can be and will be available to them. So a lot of great news in that. I'm, I'm ripping through Kirkwood, where I live uh, last weekend, looking outside outside Collie's Coffee Shop, and there's a couple of great Mexican joints we have here, and out, outdoor scene. People are milling around. The farmer's market's coming back next week. I mean, people are starting to kind of get out a little bit. The weather's starting to change. I think everything that makes us feel better is making these players feel better. And I think that now that you're looking at all that going on, plus you haven't, you're going to be at home a lot, and you know that it's desperate times. And desperate times really kind of elevate you. You know, you don't want to be in this position where you're kind of hanging around that first place with four or five weeks to go. We saw what's happened at times with the Tampa Bay Lightning, some of the best teams in the league, and they get bounced in those playoffs. You want to be kind of grinding. You want to be playing that kind of desperate hockey heading into the playoffs. So I think it kind of actually does become very favorable the St. Louis Blues to find that groove in a great month when they know what is at stake and what's on the line. You're, placing, you're facing some good opponents. You're still getting some good bodies coming back. With Ivan Barbashev around the corner. We'll see what happens with Colton Pareko. He's skating. So if new bodies coming back, and you know with how desperate they need to play, 
I think it really could be a good thing. You will start seeing more consistency out of this team. Yeah, and we're going to have more fans at Enterprise Center uh, starting tonight. I, I am curious, and I, I'm assuming you can't give away everything, but for those fans that are heading down there or if you're listening to the game or watching the game, do you know of anything that they have planned uh, to honor Bobby Plager maybe before the game tonight? Yes, if you're going to the game, what I can say is, is this, Dan, if you're going to the game, get down there early, uh, prepare. Obviously, you don't need to prepare like it's 18,000 people, but if you've been to a game this year, you know how easy it is just to go right there, fly into the Keel Center parking garage. Which I, I love the fact they still call it the Keel Center parking garage. I think it's so cool. But you kind of fly right in there, and you're, you're from your door to your seat in about 20 minutes. It's insane right now, which I think a lot of parents and people love. But tonight will be, I think, a little bit different as they, as they increase the, the population in the rink. And then there's going to be, I think, some alumni that are going to be joining uh, throughout the kind of suite level as well. So there will be more people in the building here tonight for the obvious reasons. But if you're going, get down there early. Listen, they got some really cool stuff planned for the pregame. And not to mention not only the blue side, but how, how random and how cool to have David Backus in the building as well. I know he was on 101 yesterday. I listened to him. What a well-spoken young man, what he's done for this community. So to have David Backus in the building, Kevin Shattenkirk, another former blue that meant so much to the city, meant so much to Bobby Plager. So some wonderful people, and it's going to be a great tribute tonight, uh, again, for the one of the greatest blues of all time. Joe Vitale, always great to talk to you. Have a great weekend. Bring us home a winner tonight, and we'll talk to you soon. Uh, Randy, Dan, Michelle, you guys have a great weekend as well. Enjoy this sunshine, and we'll talk to you next week. You bet. See you later. That is our buddy, our partner, and the great Joe Vitale on well, 101 ESPN. You know, when you listen to him, you do wonder, has he ever had a bad day? I, I, I do. Probably not. You know what I was you thinking? He, Joey's the best storyteller ever. Can you imagine if he and Bob Plager were together? Oh, the man. stories going oh, back man. and forth yeah. between those two? Let me tell you something. Here's a, here's a great thing about Joey. You know, we when we watch spots and... Dan, you know Cardinal Glennon Children's Hospital very well. Uh, Matt Holiday did so much, and, and we see the the shots of kids that have their masks on and that are dealing with bad bad times. And they come out of there. Joey Vitale is a Cardinal Glennon kid. He, he was there and seriously right. ill as as a youngster, and now one of the happiest guys. That's great. The, the success level at. Cardinal Glennon Children's Hospital at Children's Hospital is remarkable here in St. Louis, and he's a great success story. And, yeah, he's one of the happiest guys I've ever met. And a great ambassador for the Blues and the station. So thank you, Joey. We'll see if we can make somebody happy by winning the fight today here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Smallman with Danny Mac here on 101 ESPN. It's time for a Friday edition of The Fight. And Kyle is with us. Kyle's going to be Randy's competition today. What's up, Kyle? How was your week? Uh, it was good. It was good. Last night was a rough uh, blues game, but hopefully we'll pick up tonight. Yeah, you know, turn the page, Kyle. What do you What do you do for a living? <laughs> um, I do supply chain and production management for a company that sells tactical robots to police departments. Okay. Do you feel confident taking on Randy? No. 
Okay, good. At least you're honest. Michelle, here we go. Well, Kyle, I like that you said you're not confident in taking on Randy because a little birdie told me you submitted your name on the text line saying that you wanted to ruin Randy's weekend. That's hmm. the goal. I'm not saying that I'm confident in achieving the goal, but that is the ultimate goal. Okay. Well, you got to have goals in life, that's, that's a, for sure. It's a lot of talk on the text line, It though. certainly is. <laughs> All right, Kyle, question number one for you. Happy 59th birthday to NBA legend John Stockton. Stockton played all of his 19 seasons in the NBA for which team? The Los Angeles Lakers, the Utah Jazz. Utah Jazz. Oh, look at you. All right. Former Blues captain Chris Pronger will join us at 9 this morning, so about a half hour away. Uh, what awesome. team drafted him second overall in the 1993 NHL draft? The Blues. Oh, okay. Kyle is ready. You might ruin Randy's weekend after all. Question number three. Happy 32nd birthday to Broncos linebacker Von Miller. Where did he play college football? Was it oh. the University of Texas, Texas A&M, or Texas Tech? My buddy's in Dallas, and he's going to be mad at me. Um, I, I'll go with Texas. Okay, and number four, the Blues play the Ducks tonight at home. You can catch the pregame with Alex at six, and uh, they're taking on the Ducks. So who is the Ducks' all-time leader in games played? Ryan Getzlaff? Ryan Getzlaff. Okay. All right. Let's check our score here. Randy's on his way in. Awesome. Hey, I wanted to say real quick, you guys did an awesome – the radio station did an awesome job yesterday, uh, Honor and Bobby. It was really awesome to listen to. Well, we appreciate that very much. Emily did an incredible job lining up guests, and uh, it was awesome. They they did a fantastic job, and meet and all the uh, producers. Tanner did a great job. Thanks, Kyle. That was Absolutely. nice of you. Very to nice say. of you, Randy. Please say what's up to Kyle. What's up, Kyle? Hello, Randy. It's an honor. Thank you, sir. Great to have you with us. We appreciate you playing. Appreciate you listening. Now I don't know. If Listen I should... every day. Thank you. Thanks for listening, Kyle. I don't know if I should bring this up because I don't want to throw Kyle under the bus. He seems like an awesome dude, but he did text in Randy and say he wanted to ruin your weekend. I appreciate the confidence. <laughs> Yours or his? His. Okay. <laughs> okay, Randy. Hey, Joe Easy on me, Randy. Yeah, Joe Namath guaranteed a win in Super Bowl three, didn't he? And Why then... don't you guarantee a win here then? Are you going to Babe Ruth it? I don't Call guarantee anything. Kyle had a good fight, too. I'm just good. saying. I'm glad. Just saying. Question number one. But do you have the coat that Joe Namath had, Randy? That's i got to get one of those. Well, you, you're the one that has to have yeah, the coat. Yeah, Kyle, do you have the coat? All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see Randy in that coat. Yeah, I could do that. I, I could. You look great in that. Yeah, thanks. Question number one, mm-hmm. Randy. Yes. Happy 59th birthday to NBA legend John Stockton. Stockton played all of his 19 seasons in the NBA for which team? I believe he played for the Utah Jazz, if I'm not mistaken. Former Blues captain Chris Pronger again will join us at 9. What team drafted him second overall in 1993? Uh, That would have been the Hartford Whalers. Randy, it's also Von Miller's birthday. Von. Where did he play college football? He was an Aggie at Texas A&M. Blues and Ducks tonight at home, pregame at 6. Who is the Ducks' all-time leader in games played? I have to go with Ryan Getzlaff. Somebody's weekend is ruined. Emily, ring the bell. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! We have a winner and still champion, Randy Tire and Auto Centers, your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs. 
Kyle, your buddy in Dallas, is going to be bummed out. I knew it. I knew I was. That was the one. That was the one. You got all the others correct. Randy did beat you four to three. He used no lifeline, so he gets the jack. But let's reveal our answers. John Stockton did play all of his 19 seasons for the Utah Jazz. Chris Pronger drafted second overall in 93 by the Whaler. And Von Miller played his college football at Texas A&M. And indeed, Ryan Getzlaff is the Ducks' all-time leader in games played. Dan looked at me with such disdain. No, I was... Yeah, I I do poll for Kyle. I poll for all average Joe listeners because they're not average. They are great listeners. And I think that, uh, you know, they come in ready, hot. And uh, sometimes I think you go back in that office or maybe in the hallway and cheat. It's kind of like uh, when the team's in first place. Randy's got the target on his back every day. You bet he (laughs) He does. does. He does. He gets everybody's A game every day. He does. You're going to get everybody's yeah. game, Randy. That's right. That's a great comp, Kyle. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Awesome. We hope you have a great weekend. I appreciate weekend. you guys and listen every day. Thanks. Have Thank, a good you. Weekend. Thank you very much. Hey, hey, by the way, we should mention on a serious note the passing of Joe Cunningham, who is a longtime Cardinal. I mean, he has done and does not get enough credit uh, for how much he has done for the St. Louis Cardinals in the community. There's Cunningham's Corner, which is named after Joe. A lot of the school programs that you see that are out in the community that was started by Joe. Just a wonderful man, and uh, he passed away. So I wanted to, to throw that out there that uh, great Cardinal is gone. And when we use that word ambassador like we yes. do with Bobby Plager, Joe Cunningham was a fantastic ambassador for that organization Incredible. for a long, long time. Long, long time. Many of the programs we enjoy now in the community are because of Joe Cunningham. Dan, Michelle, Randy, coming up. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service. Text line 65780. Take it or leave it. It's coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. time for take it or leave it get your hair uh your hair your text in to the air comfort service text line 65780 i was just reading the word here so i said it. what were you reading about hair yeah. i'll tell you in a moment so but uh, get your text into the air comfort service text line 65780 you're blushing randy i am i, I usually don't do that it, it's uh it's adorable take it or leave it time thank you so uh guys Sister Jean. Oh, her, her again? Her again. Yeah, she kind of called out the bracketologist. Oh, lightning strike is down here, yeah. Michelle. Uh, oh, I'm so. already there, Dan. Okay, <laughs> I have trash-talked a nun. I am the, she asked for a, for a very specific checklist of things from the Lord, and he delivered on every single one. That is an NCAA violation. If you call in a favor from the big man above, I don't want to hear it. I'm just saying maybe you should uh, follow in her footsteps. Be more holy. Talk to God a little more. Yeah. She said of <laughs> people like Joe Lenardi and Jerry Palm, I think there was an imbalance in the bracketology. She said, bracketologists watch the games endlessly and watch the plays, but they really don't know the team. I know my team. That's what Sister Jean said about her favorite team, of course, uh, Loyal of Chicago, where their head coach, Porter Moser, who once had dark hair and now has uh, kind of a, a gold tone to it at the age of 52, where Porter Moser went 
89 and 105 before they went to the 2009 or to the, yeah 2019 Final Four. Take it or leave it. Sister Jean wasn't talking so much trash when they went to 89 and 105. Oh, I'm going to take it. Take Absolutely. It. Come yeah. on. It's obvious they weren't playing as well. You're not going to talk as much trash. She's a very bright young lady. She understands. 101, Dan. Well, age is in the eye of the beholder, Randall. I'd say she's on the back nine. Well, she I, I might def- even be on number 18. She could be on. She could be in. She might be on the green. She uh, might be like a foot away from the hole. She might be in the 19th hole. <laughs> Could be. Having a few cocktails and enjoying it. <laughs> why Who you, knows? Why do you think God granted everything she asked for? Because he knows she's about to be there. So You guys are awful. I'm, I'm staying saying. out of this. Take it or leave it. Stay out of it. I'm taking it. So anyway, to go back to the top of this segment, the story I was reading said about of Porter Moser, that spiffy hair and peppy personality in part cover up some of the coaching scars. He was fired at Illinois State. He went, as we mentioned, 189 and 105 before heading to that Final Four run the first time with Loyola. And I hope Porter Moser gets what he wants, whether it's staying at Loyola for bigger money and getting the money. Maybe he doesn't even want the money. But apparently Marquette and Indiana are both heavily interested in Porter Moser. So Sister Jean sends Porter Moser a, a detailed email, I guess, after every game. So take it or leave it. He started listening to her advice, and that's why the turnaround happened. Take it. I would take that, yeah. So and maybe, maybe maybe it was more life advice, and that helped things out, more so than what are you doing on double switches. Maybe. You know. But maybe that's why she feels so empowered to speak out, because she knows her, because her scouting report on Illinois was spot on. It was. They've got Oregon State tomorrow at 140. I like them to go to the Elite Eight. I do, too. So I'm they're not, one game away again from the Final Four. I'm not picking against them. I'm not picking against Cameron Crutwig. No, no, he's a good player. He's great. I love him. I want to hate him so badly. But he looks like a young John Candy with a great joke up his sweater sleeve. I can't hate wow. him. I love him. Wow, Michelle, you you come out guns a blazing this Doesn't segment. Doesn't he look like that? He's amazing. I'm not he's making, so fun to cheer for. I think he looks like a finely conditioned athlete. <laughs> <laughs> Finally tuned athlete. <laughs> Six five seven can eight. Score eight. over either shoulder. He's great. He <laughs> is very good. Emily, what do you have for us? From the three one four, take it or leave it. The Blues have another first round exit two years in a row. I'm going to leave that. I'm going to say they don't even make the damn playoffs. Oh, I was going to ask you, do you think they even get to round one? <laughs> I'd say though, if they get in, uh, I would leave that because then at that point in time they're healthy. Hopefully. Probably playing Vegas, though. Yeah, that's tough. I was ah, just we don't say, know who, that. Who's the opponent? We don't know that. There's, Vegas... a lot of, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of time between now and then. There and a lot of home games. Hopefully they start playing better at home. You're going to get healthier. They, they would be a different team a month from now. Vegas or Colorado, I would think, would be yeah. the opponent. Not yeah. great either way. No. From the 573, take it or leave it, Paul Goldschmidt hits 35 home runs and drives in over 100 RBI. I'm going to take half of that. I'm going to take the uh, 100 RBIs. I don't think Goldie's a 30 home run guy in a 162-game season anymore. I think he's probably in that 25 range at this stage of his career. I don't think he's 35. I could see him getting to 30. I I, I definitely think 30. I love it. And the fact that if they continue with Goldie Arenado, so he's got protection behind him, he's going to get more pitches to hit. So I could see that happening. That would be great. Yeah. They need it. I, I don't know if I told you this, but... He's been asked several times about having Arenado hitting behind him, and he said, no, it doesn't make any difference if you have a guy hitting behind you. It's because he's been the best hitter all the time throughout his career. He has never had a situation where 
he wasn't the guy that everybody wanted to pitch around. Well, the other thing, too, is they call him Big Fundy. And if you watch him, one of the reasons why is because he does everything right at first base. Yeah, he'll have an occasional error, but for the most part, it's like 99 out of 100. He's doing the right thing. Footwork, how he ranges on a shift, how he receives the ball, picks, all that stuff. But here's the other part. He never, hardly ever expands his zone. So right. when when you have a chance to pitch to him, he, he's going to do some damage. And if a ball is out of the zone, he just he takes it. He doesn't chase very, very often. And that's part of the beauty of Paul Goldschmidt. My only real complaint with him is that he didn't take number 44 when it became available. I'm not a big fan of the number 46. All due respect to my friend Kyle McClellan. Just not a big fan of the number four. You get so into these numbers, He's I don't so get it. Into it, I don't. The yeah. first thing, like, wouldn't Goldie look awesome in forty-four? Doesn't know because Izzy had it. So the thing that you do when when a trade happens with the Cardinals, he's like, oh, it, the first text I get, it's not about the deal or anything. It's always about well, he took X number, and I'm like, why do you care? Why? Why are you so into the this numbers? Is important stuff. No, it's Dan, not. I am absolutely convinced that the reason the Cardinals haven't given out 28 since Fam left is, uh, except for Adolis Garcia for a week. He had when it. When he overran third base. Uh, but basically because they were going to get Nolan Arenado. Possibly. Could be. It's my story. But I'm that has nothing to, to do with the trade. He's going to perform better. Hey, I always go back to Pedro Guerrero. Guerrero who, when he came to the Cardinals, was given number 43 rather yeah. than his traditional number 28, which at that time was held by Dan Quisenberry. Right. And Pete goes to Quiz and says, Quiz is number too heavy. He said, I need to get rid of this number. And Quiz says, well, give me a case of Bud Light, and I'll give you the number. And so Pedro gave him a case of Bud Light, and he got number 28, and he had a near MVP season for the Cardinals in 1989. I do think for the player... I can understand the circumstances, and maybe you are a superstitious player, or maybe the the name or the number has value to you for something that, for whatever reason. I mean, there's always odd reasons why like guys have numbers. David Prine, DP57 is his Twitter handle. Right. So you, you maybe have a reason, but for you as a outstanding media member that you are mm-hmm. and a fan, it should mean nothing well, to you. I look at... Paul Goldschmidt's career. I just run down that screen on baseballreference.com. I see a whole lot more better years with 44 than 46. That's all I'm saying. Uh, I will take this. Michelle just paused. uh, Oh, it's supposed to be another word (laughs) off the almighty and should probably hide from lightning for a day or so. I will take that. That's fine. We're like Ross and Rachel. We're on a break right now. All right. The Lord and I, we need to take a breather. I understand. Like, love you, but. I'm upset. I'm okay. Upset. <laughs> I got you. Thanks, Emily. Thank you. Take All it, right. though. I'm not standing next to you. <laughs> Should I scoot over to the yeah. right? <laughs> Coming up, the Blues Alumni it's starting to get dark right over the station. You notice <laughs> yeah. it? It kind of it's is. really weird. Yeah. Sorry. Blues okay. Alumni doing some great things. We're going to talk to Chris Pronger about that. Plus, obviously, his reminiscences about Bob Plager. Prongs is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Character and Smallman with Danny Mack on 101 ESPN. We go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and Hall of Famer Chris Pronger joins us. Uh, Chris Pronger, good morning. First of all, how you doing? 
I'm doing great. How about you guys? Everything's good. Now, Dan McLaughlin consistently says that uh, Chris Pronger is my dog. So are you two together? Are you dogs? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Danny Mac, Danny Mac, Danny Mac. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. (laughs) Well, Michelle just said, you know, should I call him Chris or Prongs? And I, I, Christopher, I got to tell you, it's just great to have you on the show and have a chance to catch up. It takes me back to our intermission days and maybe some late nights. Uh, it's just wonderful to hear my dog on the radio. So how are you doing, Chris? I'm doing fabulous. Thanks for having me, Danny. It's good to talk to you again. Yes. It's been a long time. Yeah, it's been two weeks. Um, <laughs> so uh, I, well, I got something I, I want to ask you before we get into the nuts and bolts of this thing. You, yes. are, you are running well-inspired travels. This has become yes, your passion, which is really cool. You and your wife have come up with this, and then a you know a pandemic did hit, so that may have put things on the side a little bit. But we're all coming out of it, and you're doing tons of stuff with travel, uh, with your kids and your family, and helping out other families. Um, so before we get into this, you're not in hockey right now. Tell us about well-inspired travels. Yeah, no. So my wife actually came up with the uh, the concept and ideas. We're obviously uh, from a health and wellness perspective, and and uh, the healing powers of travel. Very interested in how we can help families, uh, businesses, business owners, uh, you know, other athletes and their families, kind of manage uh, their day to day lives and using travel as a vehicle to to help them from a health and wellness perspective, whether it's stress management. You know, pressure on families. We have a unique understanding as to the demands and the time, the pressures of the job, the fame, the fortune, stress on home life, pressure on kids. You know, all that unique stuff that as you look at kind of that cross-section of clientele um, is is very similar across the board. And uh, whether it's helping a, an athlete learn a new holistic healing method that's going to allow him to to play at a more optimal level or a, uh, a CEO of a major corporation, learn a new sleep management technique that's going to allow them to be fresher and sharper and make better decisions, uh, things of that nature. It, it, it really kind of runs the gamut, and, and uh, we're excited about it. It's something that uh, we feel uh, is lacking in, in, the, in the travel industry and, and something that we're uh, trying to bring to market and, and make more of a focal point on. Yeah, and you were supposed to line up a fishing trip uh, with me. That was the only thing that you were supposed to do a couple weeks ago. Still working ago. on it. Okay. Still working on it. All right. Well, you've been hey. ghosting me. I'm just making sure that well, we're public about this. <laughs> it's all about perfection, Danny. Okay. We want our, all right. our first trip together to be memorable. Uh, it sounds adorable to me. Randy, go right ahead. <laughs> Michelle. Well, Chris, let's apply that to, to some news that the Blues announced this week about your Jersey retirement. A lot of people were looking forward to that moment this season, but it's postponed until next season because of the limited number of fans in the arena. And while I'm sure that's disappointing to you to have it pushed back, I think everybody wants you to have that moment to its fullest extent. Yeah, no, I certainly understand. And, and uh, you know, I had a conversation with the marketing staff down at uh, – down at the blues office and, and, uh, you know, I completely understand. And, and I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to do the, uh, the Jersey retirement number ceremony, etc., without the fans there, without having a packed house, without having, uh, you know, friends and family and, and loved ones there that uh, could, 
can revel in the moment and take it all in uh, as much as I would love to as well. Prongs, Dan says, I care too much about jersey numbers. Obviously, your number 44 is being retired here. You were 25 in Anaheim, 20 in Philly. And obviously, you didn't go overboard in trying to get 44 in those places. But how important was 44 to you? Uh, it was very important. You know, I think when I when I turned pro, I originally wanted number four uh, for no particular reason. Wink, wink. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, wonder who wore that. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Eric Weinrich had it when I was when I got to Hartford, and then uh, so I was like, well, I'll just double it up and I'll make it forty-four. So there was no real rhyme or reason to forty-four. Then I was forty-four. Then when I got here, uh, four wasn't available, so I I kept forty-four, and then forty-four was just my number. And then when I got to Anaheim, Rob Niedermeyer had forty-four, so I took. 25 uh, for no particular reason other than uh, when you look at 25 on the back, that's the, the widest and biggest that numbers that it can make you look. So that's why I did that. And then, uh, <laughs> and then Oh yeah, you really needed help to look big on the <laughs> yeah, ice. But yeah, hey, whatever. You know, you gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do, right? <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> and then 20, 25 was Matt Carl when I got to Philly, so I took 20. And that was uh, again the same thing. Uh, it make it's the widest, biggest numbers you could put on a jersey to make you look bigger, and um, I needed it. <laughs> no, you didn't. Okay, let's just be honest. You're about seven foot five on skates, so you didn't need it. Um, I, I'm curious. You know, we had the passing of, of Bob Plager yesterday, and when you got to town, the, the trade was. You know, people are going nuts. There goes Brendan Shanahan. Who's this Chris Pronger? Well, Chris Pronger winds up being a Hall of Famer, but it took a while to get there. How how helpful was Bob at times for you in navigating the waters of just the town? The media, the pressure, the and you know all the expectations that came along with that trade. I'm just curious about that and your personal relationship with Bob. Well, uh, great relationship with Bob. Obviously, came in here under uh, a tremendous amount of pressure, being traded for a fan favorite, and at the start of my career, and and obviously things didn't go swimmingly when I first got here with being on the fat squad or the taxi squad with uh, Furzy and on the bike committee and, um, you know, being booed for the first, you know, three quarters of the season, actually until I did a number of, of conversations about this, uh, the last few weeks, we, when we got Gretzky, it really kind of took a lot of pressure off me, allowed me to kind of get out of the spotlight spotlight. All eyes were on him and, and kind of what he was doing and people kind of turned their focus towards him and kind of left me alone and allowed me to just, kind of fall into a rhythm and get find my game again and, and realize what made me successful and how I needed to play to be the best version of myself. And and it and ultimately, you know, that playoff I, I started to kind of come into my own and, and play my long long standing style and, and read and react and just uh, play the game the way that I know how and, and so I'd like to thank Gratz, but also Bobby uh, you know, Mr. Blue, you know, long conversations with him and obviously a, a wealth of knowledge and somebody that uh, always had a uh, a shoulder to to lean on and, and an ear to bend. And uh, who better than Bobby with, uh, with his personality and ability to kind of uh, take the pressure and stress off of situations and kind of make you feel comfortable and allow you to talk and be yourself. Uh, 
you know, there was nobody better than Bobby. Hall of Famer Chris Pronger with us on 101 ESPN. Uh, Prongs, you, you brought up number 99, and even though you, you only played like two and a half months with him, I, I get the sense that maybe some of the nuance in your game came from him. Even though there were only 18 regular season games and those few playoff games, did he teach you some things as a young player that you carried throughout your career? Well, I think when you look at where he was with the stat, his status in the game and you know in the global sports community, if you will, and and how he handled himself with with his teammates, the media, the fans, you know, the notoriety, uh, all eyes were on him at all times. You know, I think it was pretty impressive how he managed his day to day life and and knowing that uh, the the scrutiny and and the, and the eyeballs that were on him, um, you know, it was impressive. And uh, I, I got a lot out of it. How he, you know, always stuck around, answering questions, always doing media obligations and things like that. You realize, uh, you know, from a from a star status perspective, and you know what it takes to be at that level, and what you have to do to continue to help grow and build the game, and and all the rest of that. It, it's something that, uh, um, you know, I I got a lot out of. I think I used a lot of that further on into my career as my status kind of grew and uh, handling the media and not necessarily the way he would. <laughs> oh, you were an absolute peach. <laughs> Andy Strickland loved you. in my you. own way, you know, I think, you know, he was his own true self. And I think, you know, much like Bobby Plager and, and a lot of the, the other players that I, I was able to play with, uh, you have to be true to your identity and true to yourself. And, and it's got to be genuine. You have to be yourself, and I think that's something that uh, that I learned from from Wayne, especially is, is just be yourself. You know, talk. You know, you don't have to have. You know, always given a quote. I didn't use the cliched lines of yesteryear and all the things that uh, people do not want to hear. I just tried to give a a straight up answer, and and I think uh, the media respected that, and I think the fans respected that. Chris, one thing that we've heard from so many members of the Blues organization and in the Blues family over the past 24 hours about Bob Plager is the reverence he had for the organization, how he always wanted people, including himself, to represent the logo on the sweater, not the name on the back. So I'm just curious, when you came to town, what did he tell you or teach you about the respect factor of the organization with the community? How did he maybe pass along some knowledge to you about that, about having reverence for the organization? Well, I think right away you learn uh, the history of the organization. Obviously, being one of the one of the first members in, in '67 of, of the franchise, and and kind of what it meant to him. You know, he was always talking about uh, the beginning years and and how the, the team got started, and, and the different ownership groups, and and just discussing the history and the tradition of the franchise. And that allows you to get a better understanding and appreciation for where it is, where it's come from and where it is now. And uh, you're able to kind of really grab the torch and kind of run with it. And, and, you know, I think, you know, no greater sight was when they won and a couple of years ago won the Stanley cup and how vested the, the, the alumni were in, in the win and the victory of the Stanley cup and the parade and, and all of that. And I think you see the players take hold with Bobby and, and, and really understand what the alumni means to this franchise why there are so many alumni that live in town, you know, and I think Bobby epitomized that and, and, and the players of, you know, my era to the players now really understood and, and recognized what those first few years of the franchise mean and meant and, and, 
and who those uh, players were. And, 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 you know, I think when you look up to the rafters and you see the numbers retired, why they're up there. And now the Blues alumni, including Chris Pronger, have developed and created the Blues Alumni Assistance Fund, which will provide relief to local small businesses throughout St. Louis and the metro area that have been affected by COVID-19. And that's a great cause, Chris. And I know that you guys want to raise $300,000, which will be matched by an anonymous donor for a total of $600,000 to small business here in the St. Louis area. People can go to stlbluesalumni.com, but that's a great endeavor on the part of the alumni. Yeah, no, we're excited about it. I think when you look at what COVID and coronavirus and the pandemic and everything has kind of done uh, to communities around the world, but but here at home in St. Louis, uh, it's been devastating. And and especially from a small business perspective, uh, you know, nobody's been hit harder than, than them. So uh, it's, you know, it's, it, you know, some might say it, it's it's not a whole lot, but it is a tremendous amount when, when you're trying to make payroll, you're trying to make rent, you're trying to make uh, ends meet and, and stave off bankruptcy or stave off uh, shutting your doors and, you know, in hopes that this pandemic will end soon and, you know, we'll get back to normalcy and, and everyday life. But, uh, you know, I think it's something that uh, we as an organization, uh, as an alumni, wanted to put together and, and, and just try to help those that have been so gracious and helpful to us over the years. You know, Prongs, we're going to wrap it up with this. Uh, people ask me all the time in sports about the, the guys that just dominated their game. And I say that the year that Chris Pronger won the MVP is the most dominating hockey season I've ever seen. So there's that. And then there's the picture that was sent to me, um, I guess, a couple years ago. I got to ask you, what the hell is wrong with you when you are smashing <laughs> Justin Bieber up against the glass? And it's not only Justin Bieber in a charity function with Chris Pronger on the ice getting his face smashed up on the glass. The best part is you look up a little bit and Chris Pronger is smiling <laughs> like giddy about what is wrong with you? You know, um, he deserved it. <laughs> I was having fun with him, and he's, you know what? He started trying to act like he was good, so I needed to kind of give him a little back massage. And it's funny, I didn't even, I didn't even know the uh, the camera was there, so I was laughing at him, like giving him a little back rub with my stick and kind of giving him a little back crack. I didn't call me a chiropractor. <laughs> and he was, you know, I was trying to make him a little taller, trying to help him out and make him feel good. Uh, that's why you're my dog. That's why. Things like that. Oh, what a beauty. What a beauty. Yeah. Frog's great to hear your voice. And once again, people can go to STL Blues Alumni to donate to the Blues Alumni Assistance Fund. Thanks for what you do in the community. And thanks for taking time with us today. We do appreciate it. Have a great weekend. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. You Appreciate got it. it. Thanks, Bronx. Chris Pronger with us on 101 ESPN. What a beauty. He's uh, fantastic. He's the well-inspired travels, by the way. You can go online and go to their website. It's awesome what they're doing for a lot of different people in different walks of life to get people traveling again. And I'm sure that they will. And they're helping out a lot of people live healthy lifestyles, which is really cool what they're doing. But Chris was, um, I was doing the games when, when Chris was a member of the Blues, and there was nobody better. No, he's a great guy. He, he is a fantastic human being. Love him. Coming up today's big thing, we're going to answer some questions about 2021 in Major League Baseball. That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
All right, we've got an MLB questionnaire, and we are to predict what's going to happen during the 2021 season. Michelle has the questions. What do you got? All right, so this was a questionnaire that someone sent me, and I love these predictions. It's amazing. That opening day is right around the corner, so let's run through these. Okay, first one for you guys. Who is your 2021 World Series champion? Doyer's for me. Doyer. Me too. Okay. Hard to bet against them. Yeah. Okay, who do you think is their opposition? Who's the losing team in the World Series? The Yanks. I have the White Sox. White Sox. Tony La Russa's, uh, although they got hit with Eloy Jimenez missing, like, maybe the entire year yeah. yesterday. That's a huge loss for them. Tony will find a guy. Yep. And how many games do you think that series goes? Seven games. I've got it going six. Okay. All right. What about your National League batting average leader? Juan Soto. I'm going to go with Jeff McNeil of the Mets. I think he's set up with Lindor hitting behind him to have a really good year. What about in the AL? Your batting average leader for the American League. DJ LeMayhew. I'm the same. Yeah. He's just in that lineup. He He's so protected. He's in the perfect ballpark. Yeah. And he's hit like the there's no tomorrow once he got to the Yankees. What about your St. Louis Cardinals? Who's the batting average leader for the Cardinals? Tommy Edmond. Oh, Ooh, I like that. That's mm-hmm. a good one. I was going to go Big Fundy. It's probably go, right, actually, but I'm going to go, to be different, I'll go Tommy Edmund. Very okay, nice. love that. I love where your, your head's at yeah. there, Dan. Thank All right, you. What about your home run leader in the National League? Pete Alonzo. That's a really good call. Uh, I think I'm going to go Soto for that. Really? Yeah. Playing a big ballpark, but he's got great power. Doesn't really matter. I understand that. I go Pete Alonzo, bounce back year for even with him having kind of a for him a down year last mm-hmm. year. Now there's not a huge track record. He had 53 home runs as a rookie. Yeah. That's a lot of home runs. And he's yeah. healthy and he looks good in spring, so I'm going Pete Alonzo. What about the American League? Home run leader. So I have a tie. Tied for first? I, yeah. Tied for first. I'm going first. Judge and Stanton. In the middle of that Yanks lineup. I wish those two could stay healthy. I just don't have faith in those guys staying healthy. I'm going to go with the American League MVP from last year, Jose Abreu. That's a good Good one, one too. What about for the Cardinals? Who leads the Cardinals in home runs? I'm going to say Paul Goldschmidt. And I do disagree with Paul that it is going to matter that Nolan Arenado hits behind him. And I've got him close to 30 home runs. I like it. I would go with Goldschmidt if he was wearing number 44. Mm. But since he's 46 and Arenado has his favorite number, I'm going with Nolan. (laughs) It's a good choice. Yes, that is good. What about your National League wins leader? Jacob deGrom. Oh, that's a good one, especially now that they've got a little bit of offense there. I am going to go with Trevor Bauer. Okay. What about in the American League? Wins leader. I went with Lance Lynn. Ooh, that's a nice call. I love that call. He's, yeah. he's a guy that just wins games, right? Yeah. But I'm going to go with Garrett Cole. Also a good pick. Mm-hmm. Hard to pick against Garrett Cole. What about for the Cardinals? Jack Flaherty. I'm going Wayno. I like it. I, I hope it happens. I really do. So if, if Jack Flaherty pitches like he can, he could win 20. But he hasn't done it for a whole season yet. So I just want, if he, I, I'm hoping that it's Flaherty. I think it's going to be Wayno. Your National League ERA leader. Now I went with Trevor Bauer. And I went with DeGrom. Okay, perfect. (laughs) And I think I like your choices better because I think DeGrom may not get the wins, but pitch himself in a position. Like, look at his last three years. He pitches as well as anybody, but doesn't win. Mm -hmm. But I'd like the Mets lineup this year. Yeah, they they add Lindor, and that's a difference maker for their lineup. What about the ERA leader in the American League? 
I went with Zach Greinke. Oh, that's a really nice call. Um, He's old, though. He's getting older. I don't know if that's a good one, but I went with Zach Greinke. I think I'm going to go with Ryu pitching Mm -hmm. for Toronto. Yeah, that's a good one. Jin Ryu. He was really good last year. And, of course, for the Cardinals, ERA leader for the Cardinals. I went with Jack Flaherty. I'm going to go with Jack Flaherty for that as well. Okay, what about the Cy Young? Who in the National League gets the Cy Young? Going with Jacob deGrom. And I'm going to go with uh, Trevor Bauer back-to-back. I could see either one of those guys. Yeah, Yeah, me too. Who's your National League MVP? Mookie Betts. Yeah. That's a good call. How do you bet against Mookie Betts? Well, I will. I'm going to go Manny Machado. Interesting. What about the National League Manager of the Year? I will go with Rojas of the Mets. Yeah, I think that's the play. I've got them in the NLCS. Mm-hmm. And he is set up that because they haven't won lately. He's set up York. to be the guy. Yeah, Tough division, though. It's going to be a very tough division. Okay, who's your Cy Young winner in the American League? Just because I love him, another one of my dogs. Uh, I'm going Lance Lynn again. I like that. And I'm Wouldn't gonna, that be something? That would be great. That would be fantastic. How about if Lynn and Void are facing each other in the ALCS? <laughs> but uh, I'm going to go with a different guy, though, from that team. I'm going to go with Lucas Giolito. That's a good one. He just got the opening day assignment. Mm-hmm. I saw that. Who is your MVP in the American League? I, I don't know how you bet against him, so I'm going Mike Trout. And they're going to be better this year, too. Yeah. If I'm going to take a Brave to win the home run title, I'm going to take him to win back-to-back. Okay. And who's your AL manager of the year? Joe Madden. Tony. Oh, I love the Tony call. Wouldn't that be something, too? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I, you know, you get into postseason play, good team, have a really good chance to win. Maybe they run away with it in that division. Yeah. Yeah, that would make sense. All right, let's pick some division winners, shall we? What about the NL Central? St. Louis Cardinals. Cardinals. What about the NL East? The Braves. I have the Mets. The NL West. Easier. Doyer. Yeah, that one's yep. pretty easy. I don't know. Is it easy with the Padres? I think it is. Okay. I still it think is. that they're, they're that far ahead. Okay. And your National League wild cards. The Mets. I have Atlanta. So we flip-flopped our division and, and, and wild cards. And the Padres. Card. My, right. my two wild cards are Atlanta and the Padres. I'll go Padres, too. Okay. And your National League champion. Doyer. Dodgers. Dodgers, yep. To the American League, who's your AL Central winner? White Sox. White Sox. AL East. Yankees. Yankees. AL West. I'm going to the A's. I'm going Angels. And mm. your wild cards in the American League. Uh, I went Angels and Blue Jays. This is hard. I've got Oakland and Houston. That means that Texas and Seattle are going to have to be epically bad. Exactly. But I, I think they're capable with of that. Yep. I don't. I really don't think. That's why I asked Greg Amzinger that question earlier. I I don't think the American League is that good. I think it's the Yankees and the White Sox, and then a bunch of, meh. The East is always good, but Boston's not as good. Boston's down. Toronto's going to have a... Uh, they've Toronto already got be injuries. I like Toronto, the too. The thing is, they start Bradenton. There's going to be so much distraction That's for true. them. Yeah, they're trying to get back up to Toronto. I, yeah. I really didn't think about that. I just looked at it from the total baseball perspective. Mm-hmm. Maybe it does come out of the West. Yeah. It's hard. Here's the other thing. I, the A's just don't get enough credit for... Plugging in holes every year. Finding a way to win. They have one of the best managers in baseball. And Houston is interesting, too. Now, Carlos Correa turned down a six-year, $120 million extension. He's a free agent to be. Altuve did not look good in the games. I saw him down in spring. He looked 
the, half the player that he was. Really odd. Now, which is really short, and I that don't go there. Tiny little, tiny um, fella. I think with fans in the stands, how does Houston handle that? That's why I don't like them as much. I I think I that agree. plays mentally on some of those Two players points. and. McCullers, is is Urquidy that good? We really don't know about their starting rotation either. And they've had injuries to their top prospect, has Tommy John. They have another one with a broken finger. They're not sure when he's going to be ready to pitch. Okay, so I will uh, I'll change. I'll go to That's Toronto. why I went with the East. So who's your American League champion? Yank- uh, I've got the White Sox. I've got the Yankees, Yankees-Dodgers. Dodgers win in seven games. And then we get ready for a CBA. Okay, yeah. so this uh, this questionnaire sorry had some interesting random questions in here and i want to throw this one at you for our last one 2020 playoff sensation randy rosarena of the rays will either flame out and be sent to the minors during 2021 season or league the league in a hitting category which one uh i would say somewhere in the middle because he was so good last year even if he gets off to a slow start or struggles or whatever they're going to stay with him because he was babe ruth in the playoffs right I don't think that's the type of player he is. I don't think any player can keep at that level, but obviously he can compete at this level, and he did it in the minor leagues with the St. Louis Cardinals. Had a great minor league season before he was called up, but I I, I know you're going either or, but I would say somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with the flame out being more likely than leading the American League in a category. So I, I will go with that. We get a, a, a texter saying, no twins or Rays love. I agree. I I like the Twins, and the Rays always find a way. But, but the, still, how did and, and granted, Michael Walker might return to form. Yeah, but you lose Blake Snell and you lose Charlie Morton. Those are That's your top two starters. Yeah, it's and really there are a lot of questions about that team. Who do they have besides Kiermaier? That's an established player. They, they Randy Rosarena for oh, one month. There, there you go. Okay. Good. You know they, who's going to? They're they're good, but I, I don't see them being among the elite now. You know who's going to surprise a lot of people? I think this year, Mike Matheny's Kansas City Royals. Yeah, they're going to be good. They're going to be they're a lot better good. than people think. I'm not I'm not sure they're a playoff team, but I think they'll be in the conversation for the entire year, especially with the wild card. Thanks, Michelle. You got it, guys. That was killing fun. me. Yeah, you're, uh, brief. You're killing me, Smalls. Coming up on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> All right, time for a uh, quick version of You're Killing Me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. You're killing me, Smalls. It's, it's going to be hard for us to all compose ourselves because Lion's Choice just sent us mm. their pride pack, which you can get in honor of the Sweet 16. It's a game day meal. It includes 10 roast beef sandwiches for 25 bucks. They're packed, ready for pickup. They dropped one off to us, and all of us just housed a roast, roast beef sandwich during the break. So good. Thank you. Thank yeah, you very much. Awesome. Lion's Choice. Appreciate it. St. Louis company. Delicious. Okay, you guys. So I want to get your take on this. What do you think about owners in sports who are thin skinned? Do you think owners should understand that they're going to get critiqued, that none of the moves that are going to be made by a team are going to be universally accepted? But they are human. So I'm just curious where you fall on this spectrum here. Do not respond to the media or the trolls if you're an owner. You're never going to win if you do, right? I agree. And it's kind of like being in the seat that Doug Armstrong is in or John Mosaylock. Uh, many times you just can't win. No matter what you do, you're not going to win. And you're going to have some misses along the way. You're going to have some hits. You're going to have some misses. 
Or you could do what James Dolan, owner of the Knicks, mm. has done, which is just completely alienate every single member of the fan base. So this most recent episode, James Dolan kicked a fan out of Madison Square Garden this week because he wore a Ban Dolan t-shirt. He wore a shirt that said Ban Dolan, and then security came. They escorted him out to the concourse. The fan recorded it so that you could hear what the security guards were saying to him. And they essentially said this is a, a private establishment, and we have the right to remove anyone that we see fit. And you can either change your shirt out, and we we don't have to take it, but you can't wear it, or you can leave. And so the guy left. That's unbelievable. Too much? Dolan would have that guy tossed. I, to me, it's too much. Yeah. I mean, a fan pays his, his or her hard-earned money, uh, earned money to go to a game. I don't like it when they say a fan can do whatever they want because I don't think you can go in there and act like a complete buffoon because other people are trying to enjoy the game. But that's that's nothing. I mean, you're wearing a shirt. Big deal. And the fact that he had him removed only throws more gas on the fire. It only yeah. makes people hate you more. And now everyone's talking about it, including Stephen A. on First Take. I'm so disgusted, I don't even know where to begin. I'm, thank God we don't have much time because I'm scared of what I would say today. Max Kellerman, what did I just say two weeks ago about the Knicks? I said, Leon Rose, hell of a job. He's doing a hell of a job. World Wide West, William Wesley, cha- helping change the culture along with my man Scott Perry, the GM. Tom Thibodeau, they are changing the culture. They are a 500 team. If the playoffs were to begin the day, they would be in it. And what does this, I said, as long as this man just stays the hell out of the way, and what does he do once again? The child that is supposed to be a grown man that owns the New York Knicks steals headlines from the basketball team because of his petulance and his thin skin. It is embarrassing. It is just so, it ticks me off so bad because once again, here he is getting in the way. James Dolan doesn't realize that when he does stuff like that, it makes it harder for Leon Rose and William Wesley and others to do their jobs because you have to sell the New York Knicks as an attractive commodity because they have a grown man as an owner who's a child, who's a child. He will not grow up. He's not wrong. Stephen A. isn't. And I don't know if that'll affect their ability to go and recruit players, but it might. It's a bad look. Well, I would think not that incident. I don't think would affect whether you recruit, uh, how you recruit players or, or what happens there. But the stuff that he's done with Oakley yes. and others would. Right. I mean, that's a fraternity of players that all talk still, even those that are out of the game or have a connection to another player and say, are you sure you want to go there and play with this for this guy and for this situation? Well, the advantage that they have is that some of the best players in the league were represented by Leon Rose and World Wide West. Exactly. And they can say, okay, we're a buffer. But it didn't work for Phil Jackson there. If, if Phil Jackson isn't able to act as a buffer yeah. between James Dolan and, and the basketball, then who is? And think about how bad and embarrassing it is that the allure of playing basketball in New York for the Knicks, a storied franchise at Madison Square Garden, isn't enough of a pull for a player that they even have to think about that, about denying that because of the owner of the team. Yeah, you think about players, and if you're a free agent and a very good one, you can market yourself. And let's say you have marketability. I mean, where are you going to go? Like the Lakers would be a great place to go because you're in L.A. or New York because they can market you. Well, but then they come in and they say, well, but here's the deal. You're going to have to deal with this guy and you're going to have to answer questions. It just becomes a distraction. And here's the difference. 
Who's the owner of the Brooklyn Nets? Great question. That's right. We don't even know. And we shouldn't. <laughs> and they've got Durant. They've got Kyrie as free agents. Harden wanted to go there. And they're seven miles away from Madison Square Garden. I think the, the two owners in this city, that they understand that it's a uh, certainly a privilege to own a sports team, but how they handle it with the people in the community. Community trust. It's totally community trust. And again, you're going to have some hits or misses. There might be some mistakes along the way, but... I think everybody would agree as you get frustrated with an Randy Rosarena deal potentially or other deals. You, you sit there and go, they're, they're still in the best interest of me, the, the buyer of the ticket, and they have my best mm-hmm. interest at heart of trying to win. And they spend the blue spend of the cap. The the Cardinals are always in the top five of payroll. You can, you can argue how they spend the money, mm-hmm. but they're spending the money right. and trying to make it a good atmosphere to go to a game. And it's always hard to tell the owner no or to tell the owner they're acting like an idiot. But James Dolan needs to put someone on his payroll that protects him from him. That basically says, ignore it. And I and I know that's difficult to do, but he needs someone to help him out in this area. Kevin but- Demoff. So many of these guys are business, great business people as to why they got to the money that they have to be able to buy a team. And I, I do wonder... If they understand, like, look, this is such a different deal than what you were doing, so just stay hands off. We're going to make the money for you, and we're going to be highly competitive. Let the experts do their job. And let the owners own. Yeah, that's what I mean. Just go enjoy it. Go sit in your box, courtside, whatever. Enjoy it. Yep. You're killing me, Smalls. All right, one more quick note, you guys. Jim Nance staying put at CBS. He wanted... Hello, friends. He wanted a significant raise. That was the rumors he wanted to make, quote, Tony Romo money over his reported salary of $6.5 million. There was some... The streets were talking that ESPN might make a run at him, but he came to an agreement with CBS. He's staying there. All due respect. Don't know the guy at all. But I would never tune into a sporting event because Jim Nance was doing it. Or any announcer. Really? For the most yeah. part. I... I say that having done Cardinal baseball for a long time, <laughs> I realize that yeah, the people are probably tuned in to watch the game, the players and not the umpires, not listen to what I have to say or my partners. We can enhance the broadcast and hopefully we do that. I, I have thought about this because I have a vested interest in these kind of stories. I'm glad you brought it up, Michelle. Um, I can understand where he would come from and say, look, you gave my partner this kind of money. I want that kind of money. And by the way, for all of us, it's great. Everybody that makes more money, well, maybe we all make more money. Sure. But Boy, the, the Masters would be different without Jim Nance or Saturdays and Sundays on CBS with golf. I love Jim Nance on golf. He's, I think he is He's a great fit for golf. But when he's doing the other sports, yeah, uh, Joe Buck makes me laugh when, he, when he's doing a game. Even Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth can make me chuckle at, at times. Mike Tirico can make me laugh when I'm doing a game. I don't think that I've ever... Romo makes me laugh. Romo makes me think. Yeah. Think and laugh. I I don't think that Jim Nance has ever made me laugh during a broadcast. But he doesn't. The the thing about Nance that I love is that he is smooth as silk. He is. Mm -hmm. uh, And he's a comforting voice, which is something that if you're a network, I'm sure you think about. Like, let's make sure and not disrupt the golden goose here. And if we have to overpay because this guy is the comfort zone of our broadcast, then you do it. And I will say this. From CBS's standpoint, he is a fine carrier of the torch from Pat Summerall. Sure. Summerall was a very similar awesome. broadcaster. And and Vin did a bunch of uh, golf, too. Like, yeah. So I... I, th- I you know, when I think about the statement I made, like I don't only really tune in because of the broadcaster, I would tune in because of Jack Buck. I would yeah. tune into, uh, I do tune in to John Miller if he's doing a game. I used to tune in to Vin Scully with no vested interest in the uh, 
the team, but I loved listening to those guys. So, you know, there are certain guys. Al Michaels is another one. I love yeah. listening to Al Michaels. I think we're bro- that's a broadcasting. I think that's a broadcaster's I, thing. Totally. I'm not sure the average fan does that. Right. You know, maybe if you're a diehard, but maybe not. I think yeah. you're right. You're going to watch the marquee game of the week regardless. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just Jim Nance though. Without Jim Nance on golf, I don't. It would really be different. For, I think, and I listen to other people. Yeah. I love Dan Hicks. I, I think, think Dan Tarico. Tarico's great. Van Pelt is great. Mm-hmm. But there's just something about Jim Nance on golf that's just comforting for me. A win for the ages. Go ahead. I also think if you're him and Tony Romo gets paid all this money to just do one sport, and you have all of these cards and all of yeah. these things that you're capable of doing at a high level, I would ask for the same thing too. I <laughs> might not me? get it, but that's my argument. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the other thing I'm sure that he said is, "Look, I brought you um, Tony Tony Romo, and I ingratiated him into our booth and made this a seamless transition. And there's, you know, that's got to be something to think about for me too. Good yeah. Point." Thanks, Michelle. You got it. Coming up next, we're going to cross things over with Dan McLaughlin to the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. played the Ducks tonight and the Cardinals this is amazing with their last weekend of Grapefruit League play that is really hard to imagine that this is uh, this is it we got this weekend and we are six days away from opening day so the Cardinals will wrap up their camp I don't know if they have a game on Monday I think they do maybe Monday and then they'll fly out it'll be an early game I guarantee you that it'll be a lot of quick at bats I guarantee you that <laughs> yep. too the guys just swinging away and they pack it up uh, load up the the bus to get to the airport and they'll be in Cincinnati. I'm sure they'll have a workout a uh, day or two before and uh, away we go with 162. One thing I said yesterday to Mike Schilt and obviously he disagreed, but from my perspective, their roster choices have been made more difficult over the last week with Williams getting hot with Nagoski keeping doing what he's doing. And obviously they've pretty much got the pitching thing taken care of, aside from perhaps maybe KK coming north with the club. But I actually think it would have been easier to pair down to 26 a week ago with injuries and ineffective play than it is now. Maybe he is saying that it's easier now because you have clarity on Bader and Williams, maybe. He said it was... He, he said nothing has changed. He said, well, we, we always had an open mind. And I, I closed my mind, for example, to sure. Justin Williams. And that's what I was saying the other day. Like, Nagowski doing what he did, he continues to hit on base percentage over 500, played left field, did fine. Um, and I was looking at that lineup. It had Nagowski, Dean, Rondon, and then Dean uh, or somebody else came off the bench that's fighting for a spot. And you, you look if, if it's truly open competition, you're saying, okay, two spots maybe potentially opened up. Well, these if these games do matter for these players, um, then it becomes those decisions uh, do become a little bit harder. I, I'm I'm fascinated by what they do this weekend and who they go north with. I'm just I'm still unsure as to what direction they go. With Nagowski, I simplify it. This is a team where I don't know what to expect out of their offense. Why wouldn't I want someone yeah. who's hot right now to come north with the club? I, I could make that case. I could make the case that they say Lane Thomas can play center field. You know, we wanted to give the run of these young outfielders a chance. I could say that. I could say Rondon has looked great in camp. He made adjustments with his body in the offseason where he wanted to become stronger. Well, it's shown. Nagowski has made a case for for the team. Carpenter is going to make the team because even despite the numbers, 
it's logical. He's got twenty and a half million and a track record, and you hope that when everything's at zero, it, it turns around for him. And Kisner earned the right to be the backup. I think he's done a really good job to be the backup catcher. But with each one of these guys, I could I could make the case as to why they should make this team. One of the interesting things also, when Bader is healthy and with Tyler O'Neill, normally right-handed hitters don't have as much trouble with right-handed pitchers as those two specifically have had during their careers. And obviously O'Neill has had a better spring. But that's one of the reasons that you want to have a left-handed bat like yes. Williams available because those guys do struggle and you want to have a left-handed hitter against a right-handed pitcher. Really, lineup-wise, it's struggling against right-handed pitching. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've looked even beyond Bader and some of the others, um, and I'm with you. I think that's why Williams might get that inside track to make this team because you get a left-handed bat. And if we're looking at analytics and not just average and on-base percentage, but hard-hit balls, he's, he's one of the best. When he's, And I've been saying that to you guys forever. I mean, if, he, if and when he makes contact and squares one up, it usually is going with some damage. So we'll see if he makes a team. We all get to evaluate the Cardinal outfielders this year. Oh, yeah. Plenty of them. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Maybe even Tommy Edmond gets mixed in there, too. Tommy Edmond's going to have a big year. You picked him to lead the Cardinals in hitting, and I think that's legit. I think at the very least, he's going to be a more than representative leadoff hitter. Can you imagine having the guys hitting behind you and some of the pitches you're going to get to to hit? And he's really improved on, on pitch recognition, and he's always been pretty good about not chasing out of the zone. Doesn't draw a lot of walks, but now when there's a pitch in the zone, he's just trying to hammer it. He's made some really nice adjustments this spring, and we'll see if it carries over. T-Bone just brought in your uh, list for the show coming up. Danny Mack with BK. Who you got coming on? Well, that would be Tanner Hendrickson that just came yeah. in, and the uh, Brown and Crouperty, uh, Crouppen celebrity line will include Scott Miller, who is a uh, Major League Baseball Network radio analyst and a longtime writer, so we'll, we'll visit with Scott Miller and I'm sure BK has plenty of thoughts on what's going on with the Cardinals, and we'll talk a lot of Cardinal baseball. All right. We're looking forward to it. Always good to have you in with us. Thanks, guys. This is fun. I enjoy it, and have a great weekend. You too. Thanks. Great job by Emily Butcher, our producer-engineer. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Michelle, this was fun. You have a great weekend. It was. Have a great weekend, guys. And thanks again for the uh, Lion's Choice sandwich. It was absolutely delicious roast beef. They really were. Yeah, fantastic. It's salt. It is a salt. I think so, too. Thanks for tuning in, texting in, being a part of the show for all of us until Monday Monday morning at 7. Have a great weekend, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. 
Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.